I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Future. And I am Tom, the guy who is more likely to die from accidental suffocation in bed than from a terrorist attack. Actually, 12 times more likely. Bionic. Do you know why that uh, is? I, you're going, we're going to find out during the show, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you for another week of Future Quake. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> we have a whole lot to talk about uh, very, very clearly. Mm-hmm. And any announcements you've got for our listeners out there, Brother Tom? Man, things are just good. The Lord is good. And, you know, it's even cool to, like, you know, like the Philippian chapter 1 says, to identify in uh, the Lord's suffering, you know, to identify with him and all that stuff. And that's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm all fired up. Yeah, you mean just being with me? <laughs> is that the suffering part well, you're pyro, talking about? Pyro, really. Oh, if my hand gets tired of petting him after about 20 minutes, and it's yeah. like, oh, I got a hand cramp. <laughs> Can't you get a buffing wheel and just sort of put him well, underneath the buffing It's too loud wheel? with the microphones during the show, and, you know, rub up and down his back. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Well, we're, we're glad got... to have him here. Um, something to, to mention, uh, we've been mentioned the last few weeks, and we'll continue to encourage people to come see us in Branson, Missouri. Yeah, um, man. July 22nd through 24th at the Future Congress Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be speaking on an updated sorcery talk and also um, talking a very controversial talk about the upcoming Christian Muslim war and who's behind it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be talking about sleep paralysis mm-hmm. and also false flag uh, terrorism. False flag terror. Might even have one or two special guests show up, so be sure to come. Really special guests. Yeah. Yes. Pretty pretty intense. Probably people who have never shown up at a conference like this before, I would yeah. say. Yeah. In fact, there might be fights breaking out. If they don't happen during my talk, it'll be during yours. Yeah. And chairs thrown and stuff like that, and which you don't often see at a prophecy conference. No. It'll be, uh, be pretty powerful, won't it? Yeah, you want to be there for the melee yeah. uh, when it happens. Plus, Chris White. Yeah. Um, we've got, uh, who else? Andrew Hoffman. Andrew Hoffman will be there. Yeah. Uh, Chris Putnam. He, yes, he will be there. Brother Chris will be mm-hmm. there. and. Um, oh, uh, both of the Gilberts. The Gilbert, we'll Gilbert, Con- Gilbert Dose. Yeah, that's right. And uh, f- a few little guys like they say, Chuck Missler yeah, and, and uh, uh, Chris, <laughs> Gary Stearman. Yeah, Chris Pinto. Yeah, Tom Horn. So yeah. they'll all be there. Pretty minor. Yeah. Minor guys. Just go to futurecongress.com and you can find that and register. It's, what, $95 or something like that. Really? Gosh, that's cheap for yeah. all that stuff. <clears throat> for, it's like 84 talks. Yeah. So you're paying like a dollar a talk. Something like that, yeah. yeah. A little, little bit more than a dollar. Yeah, and some of them they have three or four at a time, so you can skip ours. What and you do is you just ones. bring your family, give them microphones, and send them out. You could do that and infiltrate all of them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, I want to uh, give a thank you out to our Futurians this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably made them feel guilty because I didn't have anything to report last week. I hate that. But mm-hmm. uh, we had a number of people buy our book sets uh, that are still available. We still have a few left. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it includes uh, Lies the Government Told You, which is an excellent primer by Judge Andrew DiPolitano. Mm-hmm. And it includes also uh, The New World Order and Eugenics Wars by Andrew Hoffman, which adds the spiritual element to the battle we have. Mm-hmm. These two books really 
give you 95% of the knowledge you need for what we cover on Future Quake. And mm-hmm. those two books, and they're bound in a special custom Future Quake artwork, mm-hmm. very collectible kind of thing. And I want to thank the people who ordered them. We had uh, uh, Dana right here in Tennessee. Sweet. Thanks, and, Dana. Yeah, appreciate that. And also uh, Jeff and Cindy uh, in Florida actually bought four sets. Wow. Just That's in the last like couple of days yeah, because man. they have some friends moving back into town. Okay. And they're already thinking in advance how to sort of break them in Sweet. to their weirdness and let them yeah. see where they've come from to get up to speed. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we, you know, say these We're things cool are for. We're cool with that. Yep. Uh-huh. And also, uh, Doug also ordered some, uh, and I believe he's in Illinois, I believe. And I also want to thank those who have made some donations this week, uh, Jason uh, and Louise, and also uh, Sister Audra. Oh, yeah, cool. Uh, from... Uh, Far away there in uh, South Africa, right? Mm-hmm. South Africa. And uh, so one, thank you all so much for your support for our ministry. Mm-hmm. But I have a couple prayer requests from our future ends, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, well, I want to I want to bust on somebody. Um, Hopefully it's not me. Brother Tim from the Tim and Mike show. Is this about my time in prison? And oh, no. you mean about Tim. Sorry, never mind. Yeah. Forget that last uh, comment. Yes. <laughs> Strike that from the record. Can you, uh, can you edit that? Brother Tim, I'll give him credit. He fessed up that he was the FBI informant for yeah. Revelations Radio Network. Shoot, so. well, I just prayed for him for like with him yeah. for like an hour. So well, you should have brought that up too. Yeah, you know, he makes him a terrible informant if he squealed on himself that quickly. Yeah, I, mean, I was hoping other people much, would narc others. Pretty out, much just happened. Like we just said, yeah. I wonder who's the informant. He just rolled just like, over. <laughs> you know. We didn't even have him on the radar. Yeah, he, I know. He confessed to it, mm-hmm. uh, which actually leads me to believe that since he confessed to it, he's probably not the real no. FBI. He's just somebody stooge. put him up to it. Yeah, he, he's, he's taken the heat for somebody else. He's yeah. taken a fall. So, uh, I bet it's Chris White. You know, we didn't even have anybody, very possible, yeah. we didn't have anybody nominate anybody in our emails. I think they were afraid to for the I'll nominate myself. token FBI connection in, in Revelations yeah. Radio Network. You know, even Longshoreman Johnny didn't send an email, you know, after we fingered him as a possibility. So it, yeah, well, maybe I was surprised. Deer in the headlights, perhaps. But I want I want to pray for a couple people. Uh, Sister <laughs> Louise, who's a very strong supporter of our show and has has helped us in numerous ways, uh, has asked us to pray for her her nephew James. Okay. Uh, James uh, has had has just been stricken so, mysteriously. Uh, he's a former Gulf War vet, but here at home, he just went into a coma, oh, and I haven't had an update from her, and Sister Louise, if you can, please let us know, mm-hmm. but she asked us to pray for James. They're trying to find out what's going on. They've been having prayer for him, and some of his vital signs are getting better and breathing and things, but mm-hmm. the last report I had for her was not uh, that he had uh, maintained consciousness, okay. and... Um, I also want to pray for uh, Pascal and Amy. Uh, they actually are missionaries in Brazil that listen to our show, and they ask mm-hmm. for prayer. Uh, I think they had been, were taking like a little furlough break. I may have misunderstood their mm-hmm. email, but anyway, they're going. They're a new taking phase of their, their own ministry. Taking their little personal Mardi Gras. Well, no, it wasn't that. But I mean, <laughs> they've got a new phase of their ministry, and oh. I'm, I was maybe confused whether they're stateside or not. But mm-hmm. uh, they're actually going to be working, with, believe it or not, with the Japanese community in Brazil. Which is one of the Far largest out. in Brazil. Wow! And so I would ask if we could pray for them. Mm-hmm. And also, um, uh, I want to pray on a special situation. Uh, it's almost a virtual unspoken prayer request, but um, there's an opportunity that I was made aware of yesterday that could have an uh, impact on our show. 
Mm-hmm. It could be uh, could be pretty a, cool. Change of course and yeah. direction, uh, if it happens, and it's just a maybe. But if it does, it would provide some new outreach opportunities, but it would cause some additional challenges for us and and some actual uh, patience on behalf of our Futurians because uh, there'd be some impact on them, but it would be some opportunities, and they may even be beyond just our ministry. It could mm-hmm. actually extend to others, but. That is TBD, but it could change very, very soon. And so I'm just going to ask if people could pray for Brother Dave. Mm-hmm. Brother Dave is a guy who's at the center of this and sort of has a vision on something. Um, again, don't know what the odds are. Just something I heard happenstance yesterday. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe rumor, but if we, we'll pray for it anyway, including if the Lord says no, because mm-hmm. it might save us from something there. So that's it. So I think you're pretty pooped. You've been praying most all the afternoon. So I know. Would I'm, you mind if I mail that real quick? Yeah. Why don't you Why don't you roll on this one? And we'll we'll get started on yeah, this. Yeah. I might I might pray for some of these too, just as the spirit leads me. But go, why don't you, okay. you you lead off and and should the move strike me, I'll I'll back clean up. Okay. Alrighty. All right. Heavenly Father, we come before you um, during the show here. We're joining in with our fellow Futurian listeners right now. We're praying for James. We're praying for the. Um, the nephew of um, our sister Louise, Lord, that um, has been stricken with something, Lord, that has mm-hmm. caused him to not be in con- not have consciousness, Lord, and uh, don't know an updated report from the last couple of days, but uh, she shared with us about the need for prayer and for the family, mm-hmm. and Lord, I just pray that you would do a miraculous <coughs> work of healing, if it can be within your will for him, that you would restore him, Lord, and that he would not be in pain, uh, mm-hmm. and that he could have restoration, Lord, if it be in your will. Yes, Lord. And that you could give a peace that passes all understanding both to him and to his family members, Lord. And uh, we just pray for opportunities for Louise to mm-hmm. to minister to her family there. Lord, we pray for Pascal and Amy, uh, our Futurian friends who mm-hmm. are also serving you directly as missionaries mm-hmm. in Brazil, whereas we know the fields are wide into harvest, and... Um, at the the edge, Lord, the, the cutting edge of spiritual warfare in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord, we know that you love and care for everyone down there and that they are placed at a, at a place where, again, the fields are white, but the, also the struggles are intense. Mm-hmm. We pray for supernatural protection for them. Mm-hmm. We pray that you build a, a hedge around them from, from any attack. Lord, we pray that you would give them discernment. Lord, and where the needs are and the things to say and, and the the approach, Lord, to bear fruit for the kingdom. And we pray for the people they will encounter, Lord, that the gospel would uh, bear much fruit there, Lord, and that the kingdom would advance. And, uh, uh, Lord, we pray for Brother Dave uh, <clears throat> and the situation uh, that we referred to that might impact our ministry, mm-hmm. Lord. Um, it's... It may not be more than just rumor, and it may just uh, dissipate. Uh, but, Lord, if it's something that comes to fruition, uh, Lord, give us the wisdom on how to proceed with the matter. Uh, and, um, Lord, we pray that whatever might happen there, that it be for your glory, and that we would see clearly your hand in it. Mm-hmm. Lord, we uh, we bring this with our other Futurians just so that they can join us in prayer uh, for wisdom in this, and we know there's strength in numbers mm-hmm. uh, that unite in prayer. We know there's been great things that happened in our ministry in the past when we've done this. So we pray for that, and we pray for all our Futurians, Lord, that have any kind of special needs 
anything that they've not shared with us, Lord. A, a lot of economic issues, a lot of mm-hmm. people out of work, a lot of people struggling with spouses or children, Lord, um, with depression, uh, Lord, with, with all sorts of kind of issues, issues with their faith, feeling disenfranchised, can have find a body of believers to worship with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord, I just hear this over and over again from, from people who contact us. Lord, I just pray every one of those needs that we would see your hand at work, that there'd be a miraculous testimony that mm-hmm. we would hear and be able to report, Lord, of your work in this prayer. Mm-hmm. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to agree real quickly with everything that Brother Mike prayed for, Lord. We do pray for... Uh, for Brother Pascal and Sister Amy out there in Brazil, Lord, place your hand on them powerfully, Lord, uh, in just a mighty way, Lord, um, as they as they uh, just sort of I don't know change uh, change the focus of their ministry or whatever, Lord, that that you uh, in the midst of all of this stuff, in the midst of everything going on and being at the forefront there, Lord, that you just comfort them and just give them. Oh, just the spirit of heaviness that comes over people when you're just in transition, Lord. Just give them the garment of praise for all of that stuff, Lord. Uh, we do pray for James. Um, we pray for um, we pray for for healing, Lord. We want healing in his life, Lord. Uh, just pour your spirit out on him. Pour your spirit out on his family uh, as they all come together to try and make sense of what's gone wrong and uh, find the right thing to do, Lord. Father, you are the great physician, Lord. So we. We lift him up to you and his mm. physical ailments and maladies and everything, Lord. Uh, and, and Lord, lastly, Lord, we, we pray for this, uh, this, this uh, opportunity that may, may be coming along here. We're not even sure it's even coming along, Lord, for, for future quake and some other people, Lord. So, Father, pour your spirit out on us. Pour your spirit out on them. Um, Lord, we just, we just uh, the one thing that the world needs, Lord, it's not... It's not more. It's not a. It's not a money or a better job or anything else, Lord. It's just Jesus, Lord. Um, so we pray that we pray that for every one of our listeners, Lord, that you give them Jesus, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay. We fill up to uh, giving us a story. I was going to let you go first, but I guess I could go. I mean, it's whatever. Yeah. What do, you, what do you want? Do you have a coin you want to flip? Or? No, just call it. Um. You were supposed to have these ordered. Oh, I have them. I I got the first story up here. I'm just not sure if I want you to go or you want me to go. You go. You go. You're going. Well, this is a good good, uh, controversial one to get started. You know, I I threw some controversy out last week and really didn't hear much about it. So, you know, I kind of keep picking at the scab, you know, Mm -hmm. so I finally get it infected. So let's just get get everybody mad. (laughs) That's right. That's that's my job. this This is a... Tell all against Dr. Future. Well, it's funny because the person I'm reading, his name's Elijah. So that would be a good example for someone who always got everybody mad at him, you know. Sweet. Uh, actually, uh, this was a um, uh, a response on the blog from Elijah Friedman uh, from the Rightly Concerned blog, mm-hmm. which is connected to the American Family Association. Recently, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he has another very interesting... Uh, uh, response here. Uh, he's responding into his ministry called the Millennial Perspective. Mm-hmm. He's a very young man. Was he 18 or 17, 18? Uh, I think he like just that. turned 18 when we interviewed him. And uh, <clears throat> he's got another one that people are commenting on. Uh, and here we Great. go. He says, let's be honest. A lot of Christians are guilty of homophobia. Now, Yikes. He's doing this at Rightly Concerned, uh, which is a you know very strong conservative, extreme conservative yeah. site, okay? 
where he is a regular writer and has a show on there. Here, here's his comments. He says, Albert Moeller, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and a staunch conservative, started a controversy with comments he made at the Southern Baptist Convention's annual conference. The Associated Press quotes Moeller as saying that homosexuality isn't something that people can turn on and turn off. Moeller went on to say that only the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ gives a homosexual person any hope of release from homosexuality. Okay. It's important It's important to note, though, that Moeller did not make these comments because he wanted to start a controversy. A certain fundamentalist Southern pastor, Southern Baptist pastor, challenged Moeller on the floor of the Southern Baptist Convention, forcing Moeller to mount a defense of his views. The pastor asked Moeller if he made this statement that had been credited to him. Okay? Mm-hmm. This is his quote. He's asking if he did say it. We've, being Southern Baptists, lied about the nature of homosexuality and have practiced what can only be described as homophobia. We've used the choice language when it is clear that sexual orientation is a deep inner struggle and not merely a matter of choice. Hmm. Moeller responded, I made those statements. They are not alleged statements. I made them. According to reports, he then went on to outline how Southern Baptists had been homophobic and had misrepresented homosexuality. Moeller even called the Southern Baptists to repentance on the issue. Wow. However... He did all of this while maintaining that homosexuality is a sin that needs Jesus as a Savior. Okay. One report I read said that the convention responded with applause. I recognize that much of what Moeller said flies in the face of conservative Christianity. No one likes to be called homophobic. And religious people especially don't like to be called repentance. But Albert Moeller is absolutely right. Yeah. I, I, I find nothing wrong with his statement. Well, he's going to elaborate further here on it. Sweet. Okay. What Albert Moeller, uh, what did Albert Moeller say that was so outrageous? Mm-hmm. Was it the part about Jesus being a savior from sin? Was it the claim that our sinful nature goes beyond a simple choice? Any Orthodox Christian should affirm salvation from our sin through Jesus, in that we can't simply decide to turn off our sinful nature. I know that many conservative Christians want to turn homosexuality into an easy choice, but it doesn't work like that. Don't get me wrong. Everyone has a choice about whether or not to engage in sexual acts outside of marriage. But not everyone has a say about whom they're sexually attracted to. There are a lot of people in the world with addictive personalities. They're addicted easily. These people don't have to give in to their addictive temptations, but they have a problem that can't be solved with a choice, a problem that only Jesus can fix. Homosexuality is much the same. Homosexualities have deep-rooted attractions to the same gender that they can't solve with a choice. Moeller stated that homosexuality, like any other sin, requires a savior. Uh, When did that become a radical sentiment? Last I checked, it's a biblical concept. I have a feeling that most people uh, disagreed with Moeller because he labeled Southern Baptists as homophobic. I can't speak to homophobia in Southern Baptist churches. I'll have to trust Moeller on that front. Apparently he explained exactly how Southern Baptists are homophobic, but I can't find the transcript. But I know from what I've seen, read, and heard, a form of homophobia is very present in many conservative churches. Hmm. For some reason, there is an irrational fear of and extreme aversion to homosexuals in a lot of churches. We may not come right out and say that we think homosexuals are nasty creatures, But if you read between the lines, it's pretty easy to pick up on. This is homophobia. 
we should not elevate homosexuality above other sins. If we condemn homosexuality as sin, we must also condemn other forms of sexual immorality as sin. I've seen many religious people castigate homosexuals, but turn a blind eye to the other, more pervasive forms of sins in the church. I'm more concerned about the prevalence of divorce in churches mm. than I am about a few cases of homosexuals trying to silence their critics. Albert Moeller was right about homosexuality not just being a choice. He was right about homosexuality requiring a savior. He was right about the church being homophobic towards homosexuals. And he was also right about homosexuality being a sin. Some people want to turn these four statements into a paradox. But as Christians, we can and should affirm each of these statements. And we should, like Moeller challenged, repent if we are guilty of homophobia. Powerful. There you go. Um, people are probably wondering, he's read two homosexual stories in two weeks. What's There's something wrong with There's him? something going on there. Yeah. No, nothing going on. It's just it's just one of those other uh, elephants in the room, and you know, yeah. it's a it's a little bit like the Sharia law thing. It it takes this life of its own. As if if you see the emails I get in mind, they have to have some kind of enemy to be afraid of. Yeah. Now, granted, three lines underlined and right, exactly. Yeah. Now, granted, Satan will stop this ministry unless you contribute. Right. Wow. Now, now really? some some of these things they have said. Look, there are gay activists that have this really aggressive, you know, terrible agenda and stuff like that. And, you know, and there's some truth to that. There's some truth that they've got, um, you know, some stuff that needs to be exposed when they're trying to do something that's just harmful for everybody. But they become a punching bag when we need something to rally the troops, Mm -hmm. much like Muslims. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, I've tried to make very, very clear, I I hope hopefully people hear this, you know, I don't believe that following Islam will bring, you know, that I, that I can say will bring you to fa- to a saving faith, yeah. obviously, okay? And clear Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and his atonement, death on the cross. Um, but that doesn't mean that I can say that Muslims are the cause of every evil in the world. No, in fact, it's sort of the other way around. <laughs> some, well, some, sometimes, some, some ways. cases, yeah. In the same way with homosexuality, it is something God says he hates. He also hates a lying tongue and a bunch of other stuff, yeah. he says, too. And we like sometimes to pick on some of these kind of sins because they're not ones we're tempted by. If it's not something that we have a propensity for, then it's mm-hmm. it's sure good to have a punching bag, and we all feel good uh, going after those kind of people. So mm-hmm. i just like to point out, in fact, uh, when I get back to my second story, it's another one like this where you find... People that are Bible-believing Christians sort of get this awkward situation, and everybody's trying to figure out what side to pick. Mm-hmm. And I find those are some of the most interesting stories we, we cover. Yeah. And sometimes divides even our audience, but those are the ones we really learn over. You know, the easy stuff, like, hmm, should we be for outright blatant sin, yes or no? You know, those ones are sort of easy to pick. It's <laughs> the ones where where we're trying to you figure out so. what is the right approach to handle a situation, even though it may be something wrong. Yeah. Like I mentioned last week about the thing with the pool, the question is not what's right and wrong. The question is how do we handle it in a Christ-like way to accomplish a constructive advancement of the kingdom? Mm-hmm. That's where it gets a little more tough and we need more wisdom and discernment on it. So mm-hmm. I yield the floor to you. Well, that was powerful. Hair bionic. Uh, that was powerful. Uh, in this this story is uh, tangentially 
that has something to do with what you were talking about. Uh, I, I changed my lineup here on the fly. I hope you don't mind. Um, this was uh, comes from Washington's blog. <coughs> okay. Um, and uh, the uh, title of the article is Fear of Terror Makes People Stupid. Okay. Pretty... Pretty uninflammatory, very mellow, middle-of-the-road statement. Well, since we expose that most terror is for something completely different than what we hear, hopefully our listeners are less stupid. Man, I just saw an article from the New York Times in 1951 where government officials admitted they were they were doing false flag terrorism behind the Iron Curtain. And blaming it on who? The Russians. Other dissident yeah. groups in the Russians and stuff doing... Blowing stuff up and saying that was those crazy Russian communists. In reality, it was us. Well, email me that. Yeah, uh, okay. it's a, it's a, uh, uh, it's in the archive. You got to pay four dollars to get the story, which is why I didn't do it. But, oh, okay. Um, but that's they have like a leader right at the thing, like the yeah. you know one would assume that the red red communists always believe this, but in reality, mm. we have some some powerful black pop propaganda mm. and worse working for our own home team. Yeah, you know. Mm. Okay. So, well, tell us about terrorism and stupidity. Fear of terror makes people stupid. Scientists note that fear of terrorism makes people stupid. And uh, um, what? Where did you get this? This this came from, as I said earlier, this came from Washington's blog. Washington's blog. Okay. Yeah, I can. I'll give you the address here if you want. Okay. Yeah. I had got uh, another story from there too. So. www.washingtonsblog.com. Yeah. Um. There's. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. He's got two stories I'd love to read. I'll probably read the second one here after I'm done with this yeah. one. Now, you and I don't talk about our stories before we get right here no, ready to record, just, right? And we find overlap a lot of times. Unfortunately, yeah. It's like we're almost thinking alike. Yeah, if we do like four or five stories each, yeah. then you know we each come with like ten. It's almost like you and I could be married except that we get along too well. Yeah. Well, like like a band leader, my friend of mine said, you know, it's best to find somebody you hate and buy him a house if you ever feel like getting married. <laughs> oh, okay. My gosh. Yeah, that's a joke, folks. It's just yeah. a joke. Um. Anyway, scientists note that fear of terrorism makes people stupid. He's got a link to a to yeah. a uh, another article where he cites you know mm -hmm. cited cited sources. Um. As I've repeatedly noted, FBI agents and CIA intelligence officials, constitutional law expert professional John Turley, Time Magazine. Uh, Keith Olbermann and the Washington Post uh, have all said that U.S. government officials were trying to create an atmosphere of fear in which the American people would give them more power. Mm -hmm. Indeed, former, Security of, former Secretary of Homeland Security Tom Ridge admits that he was pressured to raise terror alerts to help Bush win re-election. In the real world, as the National Safety Council notes, you are 17,600 times more likely to die from heart disease than from a terrorist attack. You are 12,571 more times more likely to die from cancer than from a terrorist attack. You are 11,000 times more likely to die in an airplane accident than from a terrorist plot involving an airplane. Uh, you are, you are uh, 1,048 times more likely to die from a car accident than from a terrorist attack. You are 404 times more likely to die in a fall than from a terrorist attack. You are 87 times more likely to drown than die in a terrorist attack. You are 13 times more likely to die in a railway accident than from a terrorist attack. Um, you are 12 times more likely to die from accidental suffocation in bed than from a terrorist attack. You are 9 times more likely to die uh, by choking to death on your own vomit in bed than die in a terrorist attack. 
you are eight times more likely to die from accidental electrocution than from a terrorist attack. You are six times more likely to die from hot weather than from a terrorist attack. And finally, my personal favorite, Mm -hmm. you are eight times more likely to be killed by a police officer than by a terrorist. Mm. Moreover, the chair of the 9-11 Commission said that the attack was preventable. So that's another. Mm -hmm. Um, Indeed, much of our debt uh, is due to the wars in Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, and elsewhere. And yet the top American military and intelligence officials say that the debt is the main threat to our national security. Uh, so by overreacting, we are causing real, substantial, and lasting damage to our country. And also fulfilling what Osama bin Laden, whoever he was supposed to be, yeah. said he wanted to do, which was to bankrupt us by our yeah. overreaction. Mm-hmm. There you go. We make terrorism effective when we act this way. Mm-hmm. It is admitted by Bush, Cheney, and others that the Iraq War was actually about oil uh and the Afghan, Afghanistan war was planned before 9-11, but this essay takes at face value the government's claim that the wars have been for self-defense. Um, he's got That's a little note in there. Now, wasn't that true that they had the stuff positioned to attack Afghanistan on September 10th? They had a, a full-on week before, they had a, they had a carrier group there armed with live ammunition ready to go into Afghanistan a week okay. before okay. that. Reason noted in 2006, already security measures, pervasive ID checks, metal detectors, and phalanxes of security guards increasingly clot the pathways of our public lives. It's easy to overreact when an atrocity takes place to heed those who promise safety if only we give them the authority, the, quote, tools they want by surrendering to them some of our liberty. As President Franklin Roosevelt said in his first inaugural speech, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert uh, retreat into advance. However, with risks this low, there is no reason for us not to continue to live our lives as though terrorism doesn't matter, because it doesn't really matter. We ultimately vanquish terrorism when we refuse to be terrorized. Hmm. Uh, In April, further, in April, uh, Reason Magazine pointed out, Many people will focus much of the time on the emotionally perceived severity of the outcome rather than its likelihood. They add, with respects to risks of injury or harm, vivid images and concrete pictures of disaster can crowd out the cognitive activity required to conclude and consider the fact that the probability of disaster is really quite small. Activating the emotional centers of the uh, amygdala, uh, that thing in your brain, Mm -hmm. what do you call it? I think I mispronounced it. Um, shuts down the operation of the executive functions of the prefrontal cortex. Taking advantage of this flaw in reasoning, the researchers observe, in this light, it should not be surprising that our public figures and our cause advocates often describe tragic outcomes. Rarely do we hear them quote probabilities. Mm-hmm. In other words, politicians and activities, activists deploy sob stories to scare the public into demanding regulations on act- activists they dislike. Uh, If we look uh, across dozens of cases, we can observe a pattern in which salient but extremely low probability of risks are sometimes met with excessive responses. Sometimes? Uh, Indeed, politicians have known for thousands of years that playing the fear card gives them more power and makes their subjects more compliant. And here's a really great list of quotes for that. This and no other is the route from which a tyrant springs. When he first appears, he is a protector. It's Plato. 
If tyranny and oppression come to this land, it will be in the guise of fighting a foreign enemy. President James Madison. Mm -hmm. Terrorism is the best political weapon for nothing drives people harder than a fear of sudden death. Adolf Hitler. Uh, Why, of course, do people don't want war? But after all, it's the leaders of the country who determine the policy, and it's always a simple matter to drag the people along, whether it is a democracy, a fascist dictatorship, or a parliament, or even a communist dictatorship. Voice or no voice, the people can always be brought to the bidding of the leaders. That is easy. All you have to do is tell them they are being attacked and denounce the pacifists for lack of patriotism and exposing the country to danger. It works the same in any country. That's Hermann Goering. The easiest way to gain control of a population is to carry out acts of terror. The public will clamor for such laws if their personal security is threatened. That's Joseph Stalin. Uh, Unfortunately, while politicians regularly terrify people with gruesome reminders of 9-11 and exaggerated stories about future terrorism risk, they ignore the high probability risks like the destruction to the economy through unchecked fraud and corruption, nuclear plant and deep sea oil rig operations which cut every single corner in the book, and the loss of our liberties and the rule of law. There you have it. Wow. That's a great story. Yeah, I thought that was powerful. It's a great story. Uh, that's the thing uh, you and I and our futuring listeners need to keep in mind when we're about around a bunch of Christians mm-hmm. sitting around a table or something. They're all yapping about the latest terror and what these guys are going to do, this or that or whatever. I feel like I, I'm going to print out that. Um, just throw, just sort of throw this bomb out of the table and say, yeah. you know, did you know that your eight has more likely to be killed by a policeman than you are a terrorist? Are you all that worried about that? Anybody here want to do well, I mean, what have we done because of terrorism? We, we've totally had our rights stripped with the with the uh, Patriot Act uh-huh. and all the other stuff after it. We're possibly having the internet taken away from us. Yeah, I saw that. They're and, you know they're taking they're that. regulating the internet and what we can read. It's interesting that a, that discussion has. It's interesting that that discussion has come up at the exact same time, or uh, while this discussion is ongoing. Of, of of sort of regulating the internet by yeah. Big Brother, uh, the second discussion has come up that hackers uh, are out doing stuff. They deface the CIA website and the uh, Congress's mm-hmm. website, and uh, yeah. in the midst of all of this, it's come out that uh, one quarter of all hackers are right. in fact government agents. Right, right. So. You know, we've had all these big changes in our life. We have, you know, mm-hmm. airport scanners that are filling our private parts, you know. We can't take a drink, you know, or, or sandwich on board. We can't do any of this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. We've had so many things impacting our life, bankrupting us with all these new uh, regulations and wars and everything. But yet we have all these other threats that are so much more of a threat to us. And we don't do beans about them. Mm-hmm. And we go on and we don't live our lives cowering in terror. It's not the main concern of the political debates for the elections. You know, uh, you know I can't help but think that maybe we need to start declaring a war on hot weather. Yeah. Because we're six times more likely to die from hot weather. Mm, that's right. That's right. And we need to come up with a deck of cards with things like humidity on it and heat index. So, you know, we could target those enemies. You know, like the Baghdad bad guys, you know. Mm-hmm. And... uh Maybe we can have some specials on cable news or something like that, awarding the heroes of people who bring ice packs and mm-hmm. and things like that. So maybe you're on something there. Well, I have another story that's uh, one of these ones where 
you've got evangelicals duking it out with each other. So I think awesome. we should find, so uplifting. find us. Well, you know, I don't glory in that. You know, I like for there to be unity. Sure. But the fact what these these stories do is they cause us to think, and we have to sort of stop. And you know what I like about them is it, I like about them is it tends to show the false, uh, largely false, not all the time, but largely false so, sort of um, goalposts that have been set out for the debate. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if you're this. Then you you know you're against mm-hmm. this, and if you're against this, then you're this. So it's mm-hmm. it's either this pole or this pole, and anything in yeah. between is just you know well, you're a communist. Well, the stories that are most intriguing and sad in a way are ones when I don't see a good guy necessarily <clears throat> on any of them. Yeah, this may have everybody's a bit of it's that. like a big street fight. And nobody's sure what's yeah. yeah this may be a little bit of that. Let me let me go. This is from World Not Daily, which is also a, a site you have to keep in mind when you share that. Um, this says, Van MP Ministry abandons TBN in clash over Islam. Network turned back episode that challenged leaders over apostasy. Okay, a Christian ministry's decision to expose as false teachers several celebrity ministers it believes are corrupting biblical teachings has prompted a rift with Jack Van MP Ministries, or excuse me, Jack Van MP Ministries, killer hair, uh, <clears throat> dropping plans to work. In the future with Trinity Broadcasting Network, where mm-hmm. it is broadcast for more than two decades. I will not be silenced. I now let me do it like Fanny. I will not be silenced. I will not allow anyone to tell me what I can and cannot preach. He did they didn't quote a verse at the end of that. He usually quotes a little verse in the end, but he does this, later on in the article. Van Ippy said in a statement when T B N would not allow his program to air. He says, When I see heretical teaching leading to apostasy, I will speak out, he said. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Second Timothy 3.16. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Apostle Paul, did you have this story? Uh, I there. had read it. I didn't, okay. I didn't, it's not in my stack, okay. but I figured you'd get it. Yeah. You just you knew it was Dr. Future worthy. Yeah, huh? it just had that patina of yeah. putrosity on it. Putrosity. That's a good word for the day. Mm-hmm. Use that in Scrabble. Uh, the Apostle Paul also gives instructions in Titus 1, 9-11, 13, holding fast to the faithful word that he's been taught that he may by sound doctrine both exhort and convince the gainsayers. Uh, he goes on from there. But he says, uh, Van Ippie said he immediately called his media agents and told them, I no longer want to air my program on Trinity Broadcast Network. We will take the tremendous amount of money we were spending there to obtain new stations that will allow us to continue to reach every square mile of America with the truths of the Bible with, without this network. The dispute arose over the issue of advocating for Chrislam and other efforts that are designed Excuse me. To find common ground between Christians and Muslims, TBN declined to air one of Van Impey's programs that contained sharp criticisms of leaders such as Rick Warren of the Purpose Driven Life fame and Robert Schuller. In a statement from Van Impey Ministries today, Executive Director Ken Vansel said his organization rejected an effort by TBN to reinstate the programming and would work to develop alternative broadcast outlets where they were needed. We would not be able to minister effectively if we had to look over our shoulder wondering if a program was going to be censored because of mentioning a name, Vansel said. While there is hurt over this incident, we hold no animosity toward TBN. Dr. Van Impey has often expressed his appreciation to Paul and Jan Crouch and all of that they have accomplished. By the way, I was just reviewing a documentary yesterday 
mm-hmm. on on really more patriotism stuff, and it had some pictures of churches, mm-hmm. and it had a Paul Crouch on stage and had video, and men were running like older men in like a line real fast, one after the other, and he had his coat and he was flinging his coat and hitting them, and they were all falling over in a pile, and they all like were like a big, you know, like like when when they tackle, you know, and they have a big tackle pile. They were all just falling all on top of each other in a big ball. So I just felt that was, he was just flinging them with his jacket, and that's yeah. Yeah, I guess it was sort of like Elijah's like, mantle or something. Yeah, something. That's that's certainly what he was portraying it to be. Yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, um, uh, he uh, he confirmed that um, Paul Crouch Sr. cautioned him as recently as Monday regarding. Dr. Van Impey's naming of names and publicly rebuking ministers and their teachings. The dispute erupted just last week when Van Impey's ministry planned to air sharp criticism of Christians who say they want to reach out by incorporating beliefs or practices of Islam into their Christian organizations. The program specifically mentioned Warren and Schuler, prompting TBN to prevent the broadcast. We received a call from Matt Crouch of TBN informing us that they would not run that program. The reason he gave us is that we specifically mentioned Rick Warren and Robert Schuler, and that it was TBN's policy that broadcasters are not allowed to rebuke other ministries, Van Impey said. <coughs> this is a rather hypocritical statement in light of the fact that they have never said anything in the past when we have rebuked others. Well, wait a minute. I mean, hold on. I have a friend who Paul and uh, Jan Crouch got so mad at because they were out canvassing against some stuff that they said that they sued him. And he even he even he even used naughty language on on the TV. The Crouches spoke against other ministries. You're yeah, saying? yeah, and so much so that he uh, they uh, they even like like I said they used naughty language uh, on mm. the religious broadcast in conjunction with uh, mm. uh, one particular friend of mine, mm. and uh, then uh, had him sued. Hmm. Okay. Well. Here, here's what else what so, they say. Van I mean, ministry says uh, we've. They didn't say anything when we rebuked others, such as Bishop Spong, Bishop Pike, in the past few months, Harold Camping, and Rob Bell. They also stated that they would not run any future program where we offered our DVD reclaiming and restoring biblical Christianity as a premium for a donation to our ministry, a DVD that exposes false teachers and the heresies that they proclaim. Probably because it cuts a little close to them mm-hmm. at TBN. Uh, TBN didn't respond to WorldNet Daily's request for comment on it. Vansel said after TBN's decision not to air that there was no future between the two groups. So this was not an easy decision. We've had a relationship with TBN for 23 years. But at this point, we feel it's time to part ways. We've been able over the uh, years to develop an independent network of broadcast stations over America as well as uh, TBN and Daystar. Uh, they're going to add 14 more statements. I'm skipping down here a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh <coughs> It says um, that when a program in the program that was cut, which remains available on Jack Van MP Ministries website, the ministry launches its campaign regarding apostate ministers. Van MP explains that the Bible prophesies a one world government and one world religion in the end times, and his concern focuses on the move among some Christian organizations to adopt some Islamic thought and incorporate elements of Islam into their worship. We've got too many of these mushmouth preachers. All they're doing is two stories in a movie review, he said. But the Bible actually outlines that its messages also are to repu- reprove and rebuke Christians for failing to live for God. 
According to the broadcast, Chrislam is a term that may be used more often among apostate churches. Such Islamic and evangelical Christian leaders, report explained, are working to find a way to promote common beliefs the two religions supposedly share. Specifically cited were Warren and Schuler. During a subsequent broadcast, also available on the ministry's website, uh, the advance of Chrislam thoughts and practices into Christian churches was described as a tsunami of compromise. This compromise is going to permeate Christianity. I'm calling for the old-time religion to be restored. God called me to preach. I will not stand down for any man, any church, or any Christian organization. Um, it says, the report noted that some Christian missionaries overseas who have eliminated 91 verses in God's holy word because they want to please Islam and Muslims. Those verses identify Jesus as the Son of God. Other developments include moves by some Christian churches to remove clear Christian element, uh, emblems such as crosses. Um, uh, let's see. Um, it says he criticized in a program other recommendations that Warren wants churches to change music to contemporary rock, eliminate hymn books and a choir, eliminate Sunday evening and Wednesday prayer services, remove the word church and refer to it as a campus, and reduce the use of the words unsaved, lost, hell, and heaven. <clears throat> uh, Joe Schimmel is mentioned in here. Uh, senior pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel also has been on our show. Mm-hmm. And chief of Good Fight Ministries openly questioned whether church leaders are affirming Allah. Um, hmm. Let's see. Uh, he says, could it be that we are witnessing the formation of a prophesied one world religion under the Antichrist? And he cited Brian McLaren of the Emerging Church Movement who planned for an Islamic Ramadan celebration. And he mentioned Warren's agreement to address the Islamic Society of North America. Um, and another leader, Tony Campolo, a proponent of the so-called evangelical left, claimed that even if Muslims don't convert, they are God's people. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, it says, even more, more chilling is the fact that over 300 prominent Christian leaders signed a letter issued by the Yale Center for Faith and Culture claiming that world peace is dependent on Muslims and Christians recognizing Allah and Yahweh as the same God. This letter... Oh, that's ridiculous. Well, <clears throat> this letter... Yeah, we'll talk about that. Loving God and Labor Together was written in response to a signed document by 138 Muslim leaders titled A Common Word Between Us and You. McLaren, Rick Warren, Robert Schuller, and Bill Hybels were just several of the signatories to this betrayal of Christ, he said. Uh, TBN previously had a conflict over its intolerance for criticism of Islam. It was in 2006 when Hal Lindsey uh, and one of the world's most popular nonfiction authors clashed with the network because TBN wanted him to soften his view on Muslims, and Lindsey refused. Hmm. So, uh, let me just say on this for one thing. Obviously, I have lots of beefs with TBN. Yeah. For a million. I could list a million reasons. But I've also had lots of beefs with Jack Van Impey. Uh, he hmm. comes across as a paragon of of absolute purity and, and things. But he has strongly promoted Roman Catholicism. Oh, really? And the Pope hmm. and things like that. And tells what a wonderful man a Pope is and all these great things that come from there. And not just that, a whole bunch of other hooey mm-hmm. uh, from there. Now, you know, one could say, well, Roman Catholicism, at least they... Proclaim Christ. Some people say they're outright apostate. Yeah. Uh, you know, as opposed to Islam. So, you know, you you got some people here who it's like pot calling kettle black. Mm-hmm. Even though he may be making the right point here. The the other thing I want to bring up is this whole Chrislam idea. Well, which that's just ridiculous. I talk about it in my talk. 
Mm-hmm. And I just want to make sure people, I think, you know, most of our listeners are very light and they know where we come from. It's one thing to say, let's not just try to pick a fight with Muslims and try to blame everything on them when we really need to be sharing the gospel with them rather than making them the source of all evil in the world. It's another thing to say, let's merge our religions together and not pretend there's any differences. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I still think in a way that that's still a form of not showing love to them because you're not telling them the truth. Yeah. You're, you're going to take them down along with all your other parishioners in your church. You start doing that. I mean, there is a difference, but we don't have to yell at them and be paranoid and suspicious all the time while we're trying to establish relationships and talk about the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of Muslims are disgruntled with their faith. Yeah, it's like a leaky... They're waiting for somebody to tell them something... Like a house with a leaky roof. ...that seems real. Yeah. yeah. They want to hear something that's real. So what are we doing but pushing them back into their house and say, well, my house is just like your house anyway, so you might as well not come over. You know? Yeah. In effect, that's what that's what it's saying. And so this is a case where I, I see Christians are going to two extremes, and neither one is where Jesus is standing. Either mm-hmm. they're making Islam such a ridiculous extreme that it's going to kill all of us, we better hate them and kill them before they get here. And heaven forbid, we don't want any of them around us where we could talk to them. Or the case where we pretend there's no difference, betray our faith, and betray them, too, by not proclaiming the gospel clearly to them and, and who Jesus truly is. And you mentioned one thing about, um, you made a comment about about the um, Allah and Yahweh being the same God. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I would just put on the table, this, yeah, I know, yeah, I know you know, uh, but for our new listeners, like we've had when we've had some people who specialize in ministry to Muslims, um, don't read all... Don't, don't take at face value all of the hooey that sometimes even some Christian um, paranoid specialists get about these words where you're talking about, oh, they're moon yeah. gods and all this other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Allah uh, is the ne- the word. The word Allah is just God in yeah, Arabic. Yeah, it's nonspecific. It could be any god. It's God in Arabic. Yeah. So, in fact, if you go pick up a Bible in Arabic, a Bible, where you see God, you'll see Allah. So we have to be careful and not build, not take something where there's a difference in religions and exaggerate it. It does not accomplish our task mm-hmm. to bring them to Christ by demonizing beyond the level where we need to show where our differences are. And so we need to be careful on some of those claims because you get somebody honked off like that on something where you're on shaky ground, and that's going to be really hard to bring them to Christ. Yeah. If your goal is to just try to offend somebody I for the sake of superiority. But hard. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty Yeah. Pretty if hard. you start out doing you know, and it doesn't give any glory to Jesus. Mm-hmm. When you take somebody and you exaggerate their claims and make more than what they are, you mm-hmm. know, uh, it, that does not accomplish his mission he gave they you to bring them over. They hours a day in a scimitar factory. You know, we've got your name written on every yeah. one of them. What you need to do is go make friends with a bunch of them. Pray that they will come here. Do not listen to Christians and say, "Oh, what are you doing? What are you, are you crazy to want want them to come here?" Because they're all in a big organized lockstep. The same thing we were told about communists. Mm-hmm. That every communist, from the farmer, every babushka out there, was all part of a secret cabal, and all they thought about every day was to conquer America mm-hmm. and the free world. When all they were really trying to do was to feed themselves and get by. Just mm-hmm. like 99% of Muslims are. There are a few crazy leaders out there, 
and we got some crazy Christian leaders out there too, and some Hindus and some Ding. some other ones too. Yeah, and they are being used by the adversary to keep things all messed up and people away from embracing Christ. Mm-hmm. So enough said. Killer. Uh, well, related to can, can, can I interject one little off the one? Because I'm afraid I'm gonna forget this. Okay. Bro, um, Brother Rod, who's been uh, emailing me back and forth, um, yeah, it, 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 sensitive spirit, which is which is good, but he's been getting sort of bummed out that he feels like we've been like real exasperating since we've been. Yeah, he used to like it when we did all interviews all the time, mm-hmm. and I just leveled with him that I just simply couldn't keep up the pace of having you know, you mm-hmm. know, well-researched interviews every week, and he understood that. But he says some of the stuff we talk about, some of these things, just get him real bummed and probably other people and aren't inspirational. And we need to emphasize good things that are going on. And I didn't want to forget to mention that. So I would just like to tell people right here, we're at halftime, that for all we talk about, the big news is, Brother Tom, is your name and my name are in the Lamb's Book of Life. And it's there. Our destiny is assured. We have a a future of a great blessed hope. Mm-hmm. And so these things we talk about, we do as a cautionary tale for people to think through their Christianity, their daily activities, maybe motivate them to take action, mm-hmm. uh, to be careful of complicated things, but they're not meant to be a downer to anybody. That's not the goal. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and I know people have picked up sometimes when I sound down, when I feel frustrated because you've got incredibly wealthy, powerful forces, just even within some parts of Christianity, that are pandering to the very lowest level, the very base level, to get people to respond. Mm-hmm. And it seems like people eat that up, and they've got so much resources, and we're reaching a little sliver of the world, you know, and what we're doing. Um, but I want people to know that there is great things happening in the kingdom. And, in fact, even in your ministry, you hear about miraculous things happening all the time where the Lord's advancing the kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. All the time. All the time. Yep. So you and I don't just sit moping with our hands. I don't have time hands. to mope, man. There's I don't too have much time. work to do. There's too much, too much to do. That's right. That's right. On to the next thing. And that's not the purpose of our show is just to get people hopeless. That The thing is, is it's, it's, I hate to say grim reminders, but they're, they're things where people want to be sober thinking. Yep. Sober thinking. These things are going on. It requires you to get engaged and get involved. Yep. To, to set Up things off right. the couch, leave the potatoes at home, mm-hmm. go get going. And not in, you know, there's bad stuff going on in the world, but sometimes even in the church. The Bible prophesies in the last days that will happen. We have to be informed. And, and like, uh, like one man said, we ain't got time to bleed. Okay. We ain't got time to. Grieve, we got too much work to do. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to leave it at that. So, Brother Rod, I just want to tell you, thank you for your two cents on that. Uh, we'll try to make sure that's clear to people, and maybe we'll find. In fact, our listeners, if you have any uh, stories or any quick thing you can mention about something where a really neat breakthrough is going through in ministry, something that sort of against the tide of all the people we talk about on our show, where, where people at the grassroots level are doing some phenomenal things, email it to us, and we'd like to share that with our listeners and maybe have some of those people for guests yeah. on our show. I know we have some brothers and sisters who are, uh, you know, living in firm lands out there doing some amazing work. Mm-hmm. Um, if they could, I mean, you know, just in that spirit, if they could share something cool, that'd yeah. be cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I got a, I, I got one that'll hopefully be uplifting here. Good. Um, okay. a, a little short thing, and then we'll get on to like All normal right. nonsense. All right. Um, this comes from this comes from Voice of the Martyrs. Okay. Okay. Each clickety clack of the train wheels bounced the Vietnamese Christian woman's frail body painfully on the hard wooden seat, but she was on a mission. <clears throat> she needed spiritual food for the Christians she led in North Vietnam. Three congregations of people were praying that their leader would be successful and bring back precious copies of the Bible. Her work back home was tiring. She was the only mature Christian in the area, and she had planted three churches from nothing, winning one soul at a time <clears throat> Excuse me, through her personal witness. Uh, she had no car and didn't even have a bicycle. As she walked or paddled a small wooden boat to her church meetings. She had faced police threats and harassment and her Buddhist parents' dismay because of her faith. Now she rode the train across 800 miles for three consecutive days, hoping to find one believer who could help. Finally, she reached Ho Chi Minh City. There she met visiting Western Christians who gave her Bibles for the Christians in the North. They also gave her a bicycle to help her ministry to the three congregations. Before leaving, they prayed together, asking God's blessing on her travel and ministry. Uh, and here's the real kicker. Uh, as, they, after, as they dropped her off at the train station, they asked her how old she was. Um, and the woman smoothed strands of her black hair away and said, I'm 22. Yeah. So wow. I'll just throw that out there. Um, wow. Let's see. Back to the normal nonsense. Um, investor so psycho- good things are happening in Vietnam quake. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, investor psychology. This comes from Washington's blog again. <coughs> this comes from Washington's blog. Um, investor psychology. Fear turns people into sheep. I had mentioned this article earlier, and I said, mm-hmm. maybe I'll read this later. So that's what I'm doing. Um this actually goes through some uh, journal, you know, peer-reviewed sociology mm-hmm. journals. Okay. Um, investors are basically rational, right? In fact, as many studies have demonstrated, the answer is no. And it's interesting. He provides a link to a peer-reviewed thing. Um, but instead of wading through all the investment psychology research, let's look at research into people's basic reasoning abilities. Now, bear with me for a minute. A study in an area unrelated to investing sheds light on people's basic thinking processes. (laughs) Uh, Sociologists from four major research institutions investigated why so many Americans believe that Saddam Hussein was behind 9-11. Years after, it became obvious that Iraq had nothing to do with 9-11. The research found, as described in an article in the Journal of Sociological Sociological Inquiry uh, and reprinted by Newsweek, Many Americans felt an urge to need uh, to felt felt an urgent need to seek justification for a war already in progress. Rather than search rationally for information that either confirms or disconfirms a particular belief, people actually seek out information that confirms what they already believe. For the most part, people completely ignore contrary information. The study demonstrates voters' ability to develop elaborate rationalizations based on faulty information. People get deeply attached to their beliefs and form emotional attachments that get wrapped up in their personal identity and sense of morality, irrespective of the facts of the matter. 
We refer to this as inferred justification because for these voters, the sheer fact that we were engaged in war led to a post hoc search for justification for that war. People were basically making up justifications for the fact that we were at war. Uh, and finally, the final bullet point they have is they wanted to believe in the link between 9-11 and Iraq because it helped them make sense of a current reality. So voters' voters' ability to develop elaborate rationalizations based on faulty information, whether we think that is good or bad for democratic practice, does at least demonstrate an impressive form of creativity. An article yesterday in Alternate discussing a sociological inquiry article helps us to understand that the key to people's active participation in searching for excuses for actions by the big boys is fear. Subjects were presented during one-on-one interviews with a news clip that, uh, uh, of this Bush quote. This administration never said that the 9-11 attacks were orchestrated by Saddam and al-Qaeda. The September 11 commission, too, found no such links, the subject were told. Well, I bet they say that the commission didn't have any proof of it, one subject responded. But I guess we still have our opinions, and I feel that even that, that way even though they say that. Hmm. Reason another. Saddam, I can't judge if he did or is being accused of, but, I, but if Bush thinks he did it, then he did it. Which is far mm-hmm. out, because the Bush quote says that he didn't. Right. Um, others declined to engage the information at all. Most curious to the researchers were the respondents who reasoned that Saddam must have been connected to September 11th, because why else would the Bush administration have gone to war in Iraq? The so it's th- reverse thinking. Yeah. It's back justification. Mm-hmm. That, that's the main point they mm-hmm. said, you know, post hoc justification. Um, <clears throat> uh, the desire to, to believe this was more powerful, according to researchers, than any active campaign to plant the idea... Such a campaign did exist in the run-up to war. He won't credit uh, politicians spouting disinformation alone for the phenomenon, though. That kind of puts the idea out there, but there's more than more to this than uh, with the idea, he said. Our argument is that people aren't just empty vessels. You just don't sort of open up their brains and dump false information, and then they regurgitate it. They're actually active processing cognitive agents. The alternative explanation raises queasy questions for the rest of society. I think we'd all like to believe that when we do, when, when people come across this, this confirming evidence, what they tend to do is update their opinions, said Andrew Perrin, an associate, associate professor at UNC and another author of the study. The implications for how democracy works are quite profound. There's no question in my mind about that. Um, what is what it means is that we have to think about the emotional states in which citizens find themselves uh, that then lead them to reason and deliberate in certain particular ways. Evidence suggests people are more likely to pay attention to facts within certain emotional states and social situations. Some may never change their minds. For others, policymakers could better identify those states, for example, minimizing the fear that often clouds a person's ability to assess facts. Um, this article is long, but I'll just sort of clamp it off here. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really good. Maybe I'll do part two here after a while. The alternate article links to a must-read interview with a psychology professor, Sheldon Solomon, who explains, A large body of evidence shows that momentarily uh, raising fear of death, typically by asking people to think about themselves dying, intensifies people's strivings to protect and bolster aspects of their worldviews and to bolster their self-esteem. 
The most common finding is that fear of death increases positive reactions to those who share cherished aspects of one's cultural worldview mm. and negative reactions toward those who violate cherished cultural practices or are merely different. In other words, it keeps people in line. Yeah. If you if you make them really fearful, they don't start they don't ask hard questions anymore. Yep. They 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 particularly don't say what's behind the curtain am I being misled. Mhm. And governments know that, and they know when they have to pull that card. Ding. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, what they're saying is, is that there's sound data, scholastic, psychological data, that shows the consistency of that. Word. That's it. Which also means we probably need to be patient, you and me and our other Futurians, when we're sharing with our friends. Which, by the way, our Futurians always tell us in email that they're all told that they're kooks by their fellow Christians, just like you well, and me. Well, based on based on this, they may be the only people who are, you know, brains are going. Yeah. Which, if they're tired of being treated that way, I guess they need to be out there reaching who they can. But if you can't take it, just move to Nashville and come join us at church. And yeah. You know, there you go. We'll, we'll do a Chuck Baldwin, you know. He's sort of coalescing all those freedom-minded people up there in that yeah. one valley. I haven't heard much of what's going Montana. on. Montana. Well, he's still cranking out newsletters, ChuckBaldwinLive.com. But he's there in a little valley in Montana. He says people are moving from all over the country there. Hmm. So, anyway. Well, let me share something with you here. Lay it on us. This is a story, hopefully... People will use this. This will become more important later, and actually events of today uh, will, will, will mean we need to be more educated on this. This is about Rick Perry, Governor Rick Perry, who it looks very much likely he's probably going to run for president. And it looks like Karl Rove is trying to groom him. They think that there's just a few losers in the Republicans, and it's time for the guys to be coronated. In fact, John Thune, they were talking to him on TV tonight about if he'd consider getting in. And he says, well, it looks like the field's about to get bigger. And so they're all alluding to people like this Rick Perry. But he's he's getting, Rick Perry is getting the dominion that's behind him. He's already going to the conference. He just had a big prayer conference. It's Cindy Jacobs and Lou Engel and these other people. So he, he's buying into all that stuff. But mm-hmm. here's some information uh, for our Futurians when... You, you, you'll find that your, your average uneducated Christian turns on a dime, and if the news keeps telling them this guy's important, well, then suddenly they'll start believing it and start saying, oh, well, I guess he's who we should be supporting. Mm-hmm. And you'll hear that for, for uh, this fellow, Rick Perry. Yeah. And I wonder if your churns will be armed with some information about who this guy really is <clears throat> so they can try to head off with the past with people they know. It says 14 reasons why Rick Perry would be a really, really bad president. And this is from... A website called the American Dream. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a news site. It says supporters of Texas Governor Rick Perry are not going to like this article at all. Right now, Republicans all over the U.S. are touting Rick Perry as the Republican Messiah that is going to come charging in to save America from the presidency of Barack Obama. Many believe that if Rick Perry enters the race, he will instantly become a front runner in the Republican national uh, presidential nomination. Uh, Perry certainly looks the part. He knows how to give a good speech. But when ordinary Americans all over the country take a hard look at his record, they may not like what they see. The truth is that Rick Perry is a big-time globalist. He has raised taxes and fees in Texas numerous times. He has massively increased the size of government spending and debt in Texas. He uh, has been trying to ram the Trans-Texas Corridor down the throats of the Texas people. 
and he tried to force young women all over Texas to be injected with the Gardasil vaccine. Mm-hmm. No, Rick Perry is not going to save America. In fact, he would likely be very, very similar to both Bush and Obama in a lot of ways. By the way, uh, he was invited, I believe, to this last Bilderberg meeting. As well as the one before, I believe. As the one before. <clears throat> as, you know, uh, Clinton was a nobody. Uh, nobody knew who he was. He went to Bilderberg, and suddenly he was the messiah, amazing, mm-hmm. you know, came up to polls. They've done this before. <clears throat> okay. It says, right now, Rick Perry is trying to portray himself as a good conservative, so that if he enters the race, he will be accepted by Christian conservatives. If Rick Perry did win the Republican nomination, he would have a great chance of winning the general election because he would very much be an establishment candidate. Uh, but, but before Republicans get too excited about Rick Perry, there are a whole lot of things that they should know about him. The following are 14 reasons why Rick Perry would be a really, really bad president. Hmm. Number one, Rick Perry is a big government politician. When Rick Perry became governor of Texas in 2000, the total spending by the Texas state government was approximately $49 billion. Ten years later, it was approximately $90 billion. That is not exactly reducing the size of government. No. Uh, number two, the debt of the state of Texas is out of control. <laughs> According to usdebtclock.org, the debt uh, GP, uh, GDP ratio of Texas is 22.9%, and the debt per citizen is $10,645. That's in Texas. Wow. In California, which is a total financial basket case, the debt-to-GDP ratio is just 18.7%, mm-hmm. and the debt per citizen is only $9,932. Mm-hmm. So the, the Texas citizen is worse off than a California citizen. Okay. Um, if Rick Perry runs for president, these are numbers he will want to keep well hidden. Number three, the total debt of the Texas government has more than doubled since Rick Perry became governor. Mm-hmm. Number four, Rick Perry has spearheaded the effort to lease roads in Texas to foreign companies to turn roads that are already free to drive on into toll roads and to develop the Trans-Texas Corridor, which would be part of the planned NAFTA superhighway system. If you really do deep research on this whole Trans-Texas Corridor nonsense, you will see why no American should ever cast a single vote for Rick Perry. Number five, Rick Perry claims that he has a track record of not raising taxes. That is a false claim. Rick Perry has repeatedly raised taxes and fees while he was governor, Today, Texans are faced with significantly higher taxes and fees than they were before Rick Perry was elected. Which, by the way, I have some relatives in Texas, and they pay an absolute fortune in property tax. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so they it's have their ways. Very, I, I've noticed a tie there. And they can get their skin one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Number six, even with the oil boom in Texas, 23 states have lower unemployment rate than Texas. Mm. Number seven, back in 1988, listen to this. Rick Perry supported Al Gore for president. In fact, yeah, Rick Perry actually served as Al Gore's campaign chairman in the state of Texas that year. That's weird. Like our Christian conservatives to keep that in mind. Number eight, between December 2007 and April 2011, weekly wages in the U.S. increased by about 5%. The state of Texas increased by just 0.6%. Number nine, Texas now has one of the worst education systems in the nation. Um, the following is an opinion piece authored by Barbara Bush earlier this year. It says, we rank 36th in the nation. It's Texas in high school graduation. We rank 49th in verbal SAT scores, 47th in literacy, uh, and 33rd in the nation teacher salaries. Okay, number 10. Rick Perry attended Bilderberg Group meetings in 2007. Associating himself with that organization should be a red flag for all American voters. 
Number 11, Texas has the highest percentage of workers making minimum wage of all 50 states. Number 12, Rick Perry often gives speeches about illegal immigration, but when you look at the facts, he's been incredibly soft on the issue. If Rick Perry does not plan to secure the border, then he should not be president because illegal immigration is absolutely devastating many areas of the Southwest. Number 13, uh, well, let me skip that. Number 14, Rick Perry has actually issued an executive order in 2007 that would force almost every single girl in the state of Texas to receive a Gardasil vaccine before entering the sixth grade. Yeah. It, it could kill them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, Three out of 50 people die when they take a Gardasil shot. And he's making them take it. Yeah. Perry would have put parents in a position where they would have had to fill out an application and beg the government not to inject their child with an untested, unproven vaccine. Since then, very serious safety issues regarding this vaccine have come to light. Fortunately, lawmakers in Texas blocked what Perry was trying to do. According to Wikipedia, many were troubled when apparent financial connections between Merck and Perry were reported by news outlets, such as a $6,000 campaign contribution and Merck's hiring of former Perry Chief of Staff Mike Toomey to handle its lobbying work. Hmm. Rick Perry has a record that should make all Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, and Independents cringe. He is not the conservative Republican that he has been trying to claim that he is. He is simply another in a long line of rhinos, Republicans in name only. Uh, if Rick Perry becomes president, he'll probably be very similar to George W. Bush. He'll explode the size of government and U.S. debt. He'll find ways to raise taxes. He'll do nothing about the Federal Reserve or corruption in our financial system and push the agenda of the globalists at every turn. Um, look, the truth is another four years of Barack would be a complete and total nightmare, but so would four years of Rick Perry. And America deserves the better than the lesser two evils. Hmm. So, Powerful. Sorry that was long. But, no, but it was good. Um, Rick Perry is a guy that people need to be aware of because he is going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. I was afraid that Newt was going to, but he's sort of imploding. Yeah, but it's too early to wipe anybody out. He lost some other key people today. Yikes. So, Poor guy. He's going to have to get his new age friends to help him out now. Yep. <clears throat> what Ho- you got? Hopefully there's power in the crystals. <laughs> <laughs> the voters sure aren't listening to him. Uh, why is the U.S. sending farmers with high security clearances to Afghanistan? <laughs> okay. Um, this is from The Atlantic. It was uh, uh, posted just a couple of days ago. Secret agent farmer. Secret agent farmer. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny that even the Atlantic like uh, seems to like get get the nonsense. They've given you a combine and taken away your name. <laughs> Go grow some opium <laughs> for the CIA's fame. Yep. Okay. <laughs> um. The Department of Defense is looking to hire agricultural specialists to send to Afghanistan. That's nothing especially new. Afghanistan's economy is heavily agricultural. The health of the country's economy is directly tied to the mission of rolling back Taliban influence, and the U.S. has been sending farming consultants there for years. But Ryder and former civilian contractor in Afghanistan, Joshua Faust, noticed something unusual in reading the job listing, which has been posted by RecruitMilitary.com by a defense contractor. The job requires a secret security clearance. Mm -hmm. Um, Then there are secret farmers. 
Uh, Chenaga Corporation, one of the ubiquitous uh, native Alaskan-owned small businesses that gets all sorts of exemptions and set-asides from the government, is hiring cleared agricultural specialists in Afghanistan. There's nothing too nefarious about this. Um, as deployed DOD contractor, it makes sense to have a secret clearance as CIPER, whichever that, whatever that is, is how the Army talks to itself. With what? S-I-P- S-I-P-R. CIPER? Hmm. S-I-P-R. Okay. Yeah. But still, the war in Afghanistan has advanced to the point where importing American farmers to help Afghan, uh, Afghan farmers now requires a security clearance. Now, the article continues, there are two things at play here. First, working for the U.S. government in a war zone often requires security clearance, simply because you're exposed to many classified documents on a day-to-day basis. Second, the U.S. is working to make infrastructure building, some might call it nation building, uh, part of its military mission in Afghanistan. Understanding uh, that more self-sustaining Afghan industries will reduce the appeal of the Taliban and decrease violence. But these are only partial explanations. Agricultural <clears throat> agricultural consultants have been in Afghanistan for years now, and though they, the work they do is very important, it's hard to see how security clearance would be immediately necessary for the same farming jobs the U.S. has been doing since the war began. Either the Pentagon is getting so touchy about information security that even people on the margins of military operations now need special clearance, or this latest farming mission is about more than just usual subsistence farming. Where do they? Where, do, where would they find somebody with a prior clearance that's a farmer? I don't know. That's an odd one. Unless that goes back a long time. Yeah. Now, you know, what, what they may say is you, you just need to have a clean record so we can get you a clearance. You know... You know, I could see if they're trying to train people and there's sensitive information they don't want to let out. They got to know that they're trustworthy. Mm-hmm. You know, about key figures or something like that. Well, it gets right watch down out to the it. neighborhood. Uh, keep in mind that all of this information came. It's in. It's published in the Atlantic by a guy named Max Fisher. Fisher, but he was tipped off by Joshua Faust, who was a former civilian contractor in Afghanistan. So there's some there's some weight to this. What he's mm-hmm. going to say here, uh, Faust writing about a plan that the same Pentagon office is working on to open an airport in Kandahar, wrote, I guess I'm completely ignorant here, but I'm really curious as to what sort of non-opium operation business activity could possibly come through Kandahar. (laughs) Building the economy around Kandahar without growing the opium trade that fuels that part of the country would be indeed tricky to nearly impossible. But the U.S. has at times taken a soft line on opium in southern Afghanistan, presumably reasoning that going after that business would only worsen the region's poverty and thus violence. Is that somehow related to the secret farmers that the Pentagon wants to hire? We'll never know, because they're secret. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, here it is in the Atlantic, you know, like a kind of a, you know, they do hard-hitting articles, but nothing quite yeah. like that. Oh, I've, I mean, I've, I've quoted the Atlantic. They have some pretty good stuff. New Yorker, yeah. same way. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So there, even the Atlantic sort of... da 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 Grow pot. da 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 Grow opium. <laughs> da 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 With the CIA. Mm. Oh, hey, I just happen to have this. I'll say it here. Is that beginning round one or something <laughs> like that? It's the truth tone. Both of you go back <laughs> to your corners. The truth tone. I like that. Wow. You know, that, that triangle really dresses up the joint. 
You know, not many Christian shows have a triangle like that. Well, well when you can only paint in sound, it's actually pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. And, uh, boy, it's a beautiful triangle, too. Okay. Would you like to hear something from the Jerusalem Post? Okay. Am I going to begin? Okay. <laughs> you know, somebody mentioned one of the emails how they, they laughed when I was getting frustrated when you were, were trying to spill the beans on your false flag terror talk. And I was trying to get into stories, you know. Yeah. So even when we're frustrated, they yeah. laugh. Well, so. I, I mean, it's it, we, we don't frustrate each other to the point where we're throwing at each stuff, stuff at each just other. Just the cusp of it. Yeah. Just on and, the very and, edge. And that point is funny. Yeah. Actual violence is not funny. but No, it's not. Plus, it's just hard to portray it against over the audio. Yeah. Suddenly, there's no yeah. sound for two minutes. and. Well, let's see if we can cram sound. two quick stories from both of them. How about that? Sweetness. And then we, but we got to hurry because mm-hmm. we got we got email and then to wrap up. Okay, this is from Jerusalem Post. Okay, mm-hmm. this is from Israeli media. Okay. Yep. It says, "Godspeed to Jerusalem, Glenn Beck." It says, "The American right and the Israeli right have become the closest, most natural of allies." Again, Larry Durfner, uh, again from Israel. It says the Glenn Beck rally in Jerusalem for Israel, or at least for everything that's lousy about Israel. Is taking shape. According to Wednesday's Yedot Aronot, the rally has a name, Restoring Courage. Also a date, August 24th. Also a place or places, the Old City and Teddy Stadium. Also tentatively some guests of honor, Sarah Palin, Mitt Romney, Newt Gingrich, Michelle Bachman, and Mike Huckabee. Why are they surprise, in Israel? Surprise. They're in Israel. With Glenn Beck, at Glenn Beck's request. That's Serving horrible. him. It'll be sort of a GOP Tea Party convention, only in Jerusalem, with thousands of godly Americans expected to fly in to join tens of thousands of godly Israelis, with free admission, snacks and drinks, fireworks and pop stars. So far, there's been no word about Quran burnings, but the program's final touches are still a way off. Just keep in mind, this is from Israeli writer, okay, Jerusalem Post. Mm-hmm. Lakud uh, M.K., which is member Knesset, Danny Danan, who chaperoned Palin on her recent visit here, and who recently remarked that President Barack Hussein Obama adopted the phase plan of Arafat, is handling the Israeli side of things. Beck and his friends will be welcomed by their Knesset admirers, who will be returning the favor for the way the GOP-led Congress welcomed Bibi. Netanyahu. <coughs> Uh, there will be lots of tears and solemn oaths to God, Judea and Samaria, Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, and Judeo-Christendom. It's been it's going to be televised across America, uh, where there's an election next year. My guess is that they'll soft pedal the crazy stuff, the birther business, the conspiracy theories, the comparisons with Hitler and Stalin, the really overt, ghastly expressions of Muslim hatred. But the Glenn Beck rally, I believe, will be a historic event for this country and how it is seen in the U.S especially by American Jews. This pyrotechnic spectacle will light up the sky with a truth that's been obvious for a long time, but that is still taboo to say out loud. Israel and America's right-wing Meshuganas are of one mind. Meshuganas, excuse me. Uh, the stupider and more rotten of America's politic, Americans' politics, the more loudly he's likely to cheer for Israel. Isn't that funny? For an Israeli media guy to say, the stupider, more rotten in America's politics, the more likely to cheer for Israel. That's interesting. The reason for this is partly out of love for Mordecai, you know, from the book of Esther, hmm. but more so out of hatred for Haman. Okay, did you catch that? It's more hating the enemies than liking the, quote, good guy. Hmm. Okay? Right-wing Americans hate the Muslims. 
The Muslims are their new commies. And who's right there at the front in the war with the Islamic world? Israel. So wackos like Beck and Palin and Bachman love us, but only as long as we go on fighting their enemies. If we ever make peace with them, our dear devoted Republican friends will not be amused. Neither will the likes of Danny Danan, of course. So the American right and the Israeli right have become the closest, most natural of allies. Incidentally, who, more than anybody else, forged this covenant? Netanyahu, starting about 30 years ago, and along the way gaining the admiration of every major crackpot, Islamophobic, evangelical preacher, from the very late Jerry Falwell to Pat Robertson to, to John Hagee and on. And, and what the Glenn Beck rally will do is to proclaim this covenant in blazing fashion. It will sear into the consciousness of Israelis and Americans. But above all, American Jews, what this country now stands for, by showing them who Israel's friends are. It will show them what Israel is. Who are Israel's friends? Right-wing Meshuganists. What is Israel? A right-wing Meshug country. Sheldon Adelson, Morton Klein, Eric Cantor, the Emergency Committee for Israel, the Brooklyner Jews, and the rest uh, of the people over there will be buoyant. But what about all those middle-of-the-roaders, all those Democrats, the great majority of American Jews, who feel a basic connection to this country, but at the same time are repelled by the lights of Beck, Palin, and the Christian right? How comfortable are they going to be with that connection when they see so dramatically who else this country is connected to, and not tangentially, but at the hip. Israel is a tragic story. It used to inspire idealists, and now it appalls them. The moderates, the silent majority, are left sort of perplexed. They're not going to speak against Israel, but they're really not moved to speak for it either, when it seems to have become so aggressive, so forbidding. I think the Glenn Beck rally will have a clarifying effect on American Jewish moderates. They're going to say, I wish Israel luck, but this is not for me. Beck is going to make post-Oslo 21st century Israel a headache and embarrassment for lots more American Jews. Not just liberals, but moderates too. He's going to polarize attitudes toward this country even more than they were already are. He's going to energize the base but alienate the mainstream. He hmm. will win no new converts for Israel's cause, but he will turn a lot of undecideds against it. And I can't wait. Post-Oslo, 21st century Israel is too far gone, too fearful and hateful for gradual change. It needs radical change, and that means it has to get worse and worse until it hits the wall, until it alienates too many people in its world, and only then will it be shocked and scared to sanity. Hmm. So come on, Glenn. Do not tarry. Light up the scoured Jerusalem. Televise this extravaganza. Proclaim the covenant between Israel and whack job America for all to see. We need an apocalypse around here. Not a literal one like you and your friends are praying for, but a political one. And I couldn't think of a better Meshuggah for the job. What is a Meshuggah? I forget. It's, it's a derogatory term. I'll have to look it up. I guess it's Yiddish or something. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, uh, you know, here's an Israeli talking. And we have such a simplistic view in our American churches of how everything plays out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the, the last thing he said about how this arrogance and other things are going to go to the part until it hits a wall and then it will be shocked and scared into sanity. Isn't that sort of what the Bible says God was, is up to with them? Yeah. Isn't exactly what's going to do. He's going to get a remnant of them mm -hmm. and they're going to 
you know, they're stiff-necked, the stiff-necked and obstinate, mm-hmm. and they keep resisting it, and God has to keep applying the pressure and surrounded by more and more enemies for a constructive purpose, to get them to finally break their arrogance and turn their hearts toward their Savior. Mm-hmm. But what do we do? We try to assist them in their arrogance and their resistance. We offer them American might and guns in lieu of God's salvation. Hmm. I wonder yeah. what God's opinion of that is. Probably not overly high. Well, at least we sent a Mormon over there with all of our Christian leaders, our yeah. Christian-supported political leaders, you know, following his lead. It's so wacko. It's like I can't even... People tell me that they... They like it's one thing to it's one thing you know people say that they like him you know and I used to go well he's got interesting news you know this is important there's some truth you'll hear on the show yeah yeah uh, but the other other end of that is he's like completely off as nut in my opinion mm-hmm well you know when the best leader we can find is somebody who says that Jesus and Satan are brothers and that that our God has many wives, that he birthed all of us, and that... Sounds a lot like Islam. He had a God over him somewhere else. Yeah. You're right. It sounds a whole lot... There's a lot of practices that are very, very similar there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of law-keeping. Who Who's stopping and, like, saying, wait a minute, what are we doing? Does the emperor have no clothes here? You know? Yeah. It'd be interesting to see a couple of Christians out you, there with a sign that said, you Christians filling the stadium, do you realize you're following a Mormon? Do you know what he believes? Yeah. Is this the best leader you can find? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, look at all the other Christian leaders we pointed out and what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Are these the best people? I, I mean, heard. We I, need Christians on the streets with triangles of truth is what we need. You know, we just need to uh, arm them everywhere with the triangle of truth. Exactly. Can you imagine that resonated? That would probably just have a resonant frequency around it, the it world. It would blow up a couple of Christian bookstores, I know. Be like our own harmonic, our own harmonic convergence. You know, <laughs> then somebody'd have the the occult triangle. Yeah. Of truth. And you know? it, it sounds. Like it doesn't pyramid. sound like that. It sounds like. Yeah. The, the devil's cord. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for that story. Do we have do we have time or do we? We got about ahead? five to seven minute okay. kind of deal. I'll read this one because it highlights something that's really been on my mind lately. Okay. And uh, it it also sort of hits close to home. In fact, I I missed this by I missed seeing this by about a couple hours. Okay. Um, uh, Johannes Masurli, the former BART police officer who shot and killed Oscar Grant while he was lying face down on the Fruitvale Station train platform on New Year's Day 2009. Uh, was released from a Los Angeles jail June 13 after so after s- serving a total of 365 days for his involuntary manslaughter conviction. Um, this was something that happened in my former stomping grounds here, the SF Bay Area. Okay. Where this dude, uh, uh, the end result was, is the guy was laying face down on a BART platform, and this security guard uh, basically pumped him full of lead. Yeah. And uh, then sort of denied that'll serve it. him for laying face down. Yeah, the, he sort of tried to deny it, and then it came out that the whole thing was caught on a security camera. Oh. Um, Those darn cameras, see, they backfire sometimes. Yeah, he was. They sent- didn't get a chance to erase it beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Like they did the ones around the Pentagon. Yeah. Uh huh. He was sentenced to two years behind bars, which is crazy for involuntary manslaughter. He shot the dude like, you know, shot the dude in the back while he was laying face down. 
but Judge Robert Perry granted him an early release due to credit for time served and good behavior. The same day that was released, the National Lawyers Guild fired a class action lawsuit on behalf of 150 protesters who were mass arrested during the November 5, 2010 demonstration in Oakland in the wake of the Masserly sentencing. Meanwhile, a handful of individuals who engaged in the January 14th and July 8th protests launched by grant supporters, which morphed into riots after community rallies came to an end, are still battling court cases. Two of the protesters arrested last July initially faced serious felony arson charges for igniting a trash can, which could have led to incarceration for a longer duration than necessarily served for fatally shooting Grant. We're talking some serious crimes here, igniting yeah, lighting a trash, trash can. can. <laughs> yeah, there were felony charges. There were several felony charges, several felony arrests last July, and people were facing charges that could lead to more than a year. No question about that. Uh, noted attorney Dan Siegel of the Oakland-based Siegel and Yee. Siegel is currently representing Todd Lister and Adrian Wilson, the two defendants who were accused of arson. The co-defendants now face attempted arson charges, carrying a minimum penalty of eight months, uh, with a midterm of one year. Theoretically, that's what they're still facing, Siegel says, but added that he was very confident that as-yet-unresolved case would result in a much more lenient outcome. Um, pretty confident. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of deal going, deal making going on because of the absurdity yeah. of, uh, you know, that. Meanwhile, some of the burglary charges stem from the shooting that occurred in Oakland last July could potentially lead to multi-year sentences, Siegel added, leading to more time in jail than Masserly served. Uh, some of the hundreds uh, arrested over the course of the three protesters protests who had prior criminal convictions had their probation or parole immediately revoked as a consequence, said Rachel Jackson, a member of the Coalition for Justice for Oscar Grant and one of the organizers of the November 5th community rally in downtown Oakland's Frank Ogawa Plaza. Of the hundreds of arrests made in Oakland during waves of protests granted by Grant supporters, just a small number were on serious charges such as burglary or arson. The mass arrest of 150 individuals last November was initially made on charges of unlawful assembly, yet nearly all of the arrestees were cited and released after spending up to 24 hours in jail and all, their, and all had their charges dropped. Hmm. In that instance, Oakland police corralled 150 demonstrators who had been participating in a lawful march through the streets into a residential block in East Oakland. Um, if, they're, if they're marching around East Oakland, they've got to be tough anyway, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, once they were surrounded, Oakland police, who were aided in the, in the streets by 32 other law enforcement agencies that night, according to National Lawyers Guild attorney Rachel Letterman, placed them all under arrest. Uh, and that's no joke because I had some mm-hmm. dealings with them and uh, the Oakland police one time, and I come to find out that they only had two people uh, on on patrol mm. at in the the particular neighborhood that I was mm. in at that time. Is this when you had your fencing operation? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. uh, you know, it's interesting. I wasn't fencing anything, but I learned a whole lot about it just by looking at my window. Really? Yeah. Okay. I witness. Uh, that's a that's a that's another definitely another future quake. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh. Anyway. Uh, no dispersal order was issued prior to making the arrests, and it would have been impossible to comply if one had been issued. In a class action, class action lawsuit, the National Lawyers Guild argues 
that the November 5th protester roundup and mass arrest, mass arrest was a violation of the Oakland Police Department's crowd control policy and that it constituted a violation of protesters' rights to freedom of speech and freedom of assembly. Even legal observers and a few people who happened to live in the neighborhood were, were uh, in the neighborhood were swept up. Yeah, mm. I heard about this when it happened. I actually had a friend who got arrested. He was riding his bike and mm. went, whoa, what's this? And next thing you know, the police are pouncing on him. Wow. The policy is clear and the Constitution is clear, she went on. You must have probable cause to believe an individual is committing a crime. But in this case, the whole crowd was herded into a residential street, blocked in, and held on the street for hours. Uh, there was never, never a dispersal order and all exits were sealed off. The Oakland Police Department did not respond to a request for comment. Arrestees were held, and hand, held handcuffed in vans, in some cases for hours, without access to a bathroom, Litterman noted. All of the women were subjected to pregnancy tests upon being booked in jail, which made no sense and was abusive in this particular case, Litterman maintains, because the short time they spent there didn't justify the excuse that the test would have been necessary to determine whether anyone needed prenatal care. Several men, meanwhile, were subjected to DNA swabs, which is only supposed to happen if you're arrested for a violent felony, according to Lederman. Jackson, who was also arrested that night, said she believed police conduct was incredibly intimidating and has a chilling effect on free speech. So, there you have it. You know, they they want to get your hands on your DNA one way or the other, whether if you're a baby now and they take it in the hospital or some excuse, because not only can they identify you later if you did something bad, but they could also plan it somewhere, Mm -hmm. and they would have absolutely convincing proof you did something. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, once they got I'll your DNA, forget, they could plan anywhere. I'll never forget a, a, a hooligan friend of mine who lived down in Los Angeles. Uh, who, he, he told me a story one time that a uh, police officer, a friend of his, showed up, a guy he grew up with, and mm-hmm. said, um, Hey, man, let me borrow your phone book. Mm-hmm. Said, well, okay, come on in. So they came mm-hmm. in, and you know, they sat there, had a Coke together, and just sort of, just sort of shot the breeze while he was looking mm-hmm. through the phone book. Went, okay, and wrote something down. And as he was walking out, he said, uh, you know, I, I can't help but ask, what do you need my phone book for? He said, oh, uh, there's a guy that there's a there's a guy that we know in Bellflower that we don't like. And uh, he's done all these things in the past, but we can't prove it. And, uh, you know, he just got out of jail a couple of years ago. So we're going to go over there and hook him up. Hmm. You know what hook him up means, right? Uh, well, I'm not sure. Tell me. Uh, you know, planting planting evidence oh okay so um this was from a friend of mine who was he was a former hooligan now turned pastor and he told me that you know a society is in crisis when that is tolerated well a lot of times people don't a lot of times people don't entirely know and that you know of course he's guilty it's it's a lot like the the fear thing that we came came you know i talked about earlier you know Uh, people fear something, and the next thing yeah. you know, they they don't bother looking into resources or, yeah. you know. But I mean, if you really got happened. if you got people planning stuff, uh, there can't be justice in the land. I mean, you you've really in a crisis. That's worse than any kind of terrorism. Mm-hmm. Is if you have you know crooked institutional fig- figures. I know that goes on. What mm-hmm. I'm saying is that's the part that ought to cause sleepless nights for people, not not somebody you mm-hmm. know in a turban in a cave somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to move on to our email? Roll it. Uh, by the way, I just want to remind our listeners, if you go to iTunes and get our show or any kind of podcast thing, if you go to futurequake.com, 
and you click on the past shows tabs, not only are all our shows archived there, they're all, you know, going back to the beginning. And in fact, there are a lot more than than are on the iTunes podcast because it includes our WRFN days, which are a little primitive. They were before we were a Christian show. Uh, some of our opinions have changed. There's a lot of pre-Tom Bionic shows there, too. Yeah, but, they're really uh, not worth <coughs> listening to, but, you know, sucker yeah, through them for yeah, historical I'll tell, I'll, I'll tell uh, Emmett, Emmett you said that, see what he thinks. But anyway, go check it out. But the other thing I was pointing out is is that we have links to these stories there that you can click. People want them for a long time. It takes a little time to get them together, but we figured mm-hmm. you all doing your research would like it. Um there was one last week that was an error about the uh, red horse, yep. but we, but it's fixed. Correct. So go back, yeah. it's fixed. Oh shoot, I didn't uh, finish that article today. So uh, anyway, um, just check those out. And I want to get to some email here. Here's one from Brother Tim in California that I skipped because it was a little long, and so I you didn't want to be remiss. Yeah. Uh, this is Brother Tim. He says to Doctor Future and Tom Bionic. I'm not really sure how to start this, as this is the first time I've ever written anyone at any show, podcast, or otherwise. I've just put down my headphones after listening about three-quarters of your podcast for 3-11-2011, having just heard you questioning whether what you're doing has a chance at making a difference in today's Christian culture. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeling led in a huge way to write the following. You guys, so your ministry, are making a huge difference in more ways than you can possibly know. And I'm talking lasting change, change that will carry over into eternity. It's easy to fall into despair over the state of things, of the world, of the church, and sadly that's what most people do. I've been there, wondering why no one really cares or listens to the hard topics, why people would rather stay comfortably dumb and willfully choose ignorance over truth. It's just that in most places the Bible has somehow become a rule book on how to live, and sermons are simply simply get-rich-quick schemes with a few verses thrown in for good measure. It sounds horribly negative, but it calls out for the main problem. The church is becoming more about us, what God can do for us, not about what we can do for him. So the congregation starts thinking, the church has this cool set of rules for living, and these rules are way better rules than the other guy has, and with the right Christians in place, our government can make the other guy fall in or out of line. Why go to all the trouble of sharing the gospel with folks when the, quote, right government could force someone into being a, quote, follower of Christ? See, key word there, force. I've heard that Lincoln was quoted as saying, if you look for the bad in people, you will surely find it. It's easy to find the bad. There's so much out there. Taking it all in often makes me plain miserable, too. I used to think that this was a burden I was meant to bear. But since I've come to believe that God doesn't want me miserable, he wants me to lean on him to be joyful and at peace in spite of the bad, which I must admit still proves challenging. My short-term fix has simply been balancing my search for hard truths with fun hobbies. You know... That's a good practical way to deal with it. Yeah. Something I need to follow more to do um, and want to do. Mm-hmm. Get down the slot car race a little bit. The sad truth is most people don't want to change. They don't want to do or try anything new to unlearn or relearn. They just don't see the benefits. So then you might ask, how did I change? Growing up in a Christian household, I always had been around and involved in the church before experiencing a bit of a falling away toward the ends of high school and into college. And this had nothing to do with experimenting or partying. Uh, rather, it happened because my church leaders could not authentically speak to certain problems that kept popping up, problems of a supernatural origin. Starting at a young age and continuing on even to the present, I've often had to deal with various malevolent non-human entities, never by choice and never aided by drugs or the like. 
visions, night terrors, even what some would call hauntings. All things that my pastor and many fellow churchgoers told me were not real and unbiblical. Basically, I was either mentally upset or making things up. Ironically, many of our listeners have the same kind of experience. So mm-hmm. all of you must be that way, you know, if, you're, if these pastors are right. So I started studying anything else, taking classes, reading books, all in hopes of finding someone who could accurately explain what it was that I was experiencing. In my search for truth, I somehow went from things like the Da Vinci Code to things like Behold a Pale Horse and on Coast to Coast AM where one night I heard Patrick Heron talk about Nephilim and the pyramids. Of course I thought he was nuts, and as it all sounded unlike any Christian teaching I'd ever heard, and yet there it was in the Bible. And there, from a simple Google search of Heron, took me to PID Radio and then on to your fine show. And suddenly I was on fire for Jesus, and the supernatural things were making sense. And no one I knew wanted to hear about it. But the fact remains, I changed because life forced me to take on big questions. And when I went looking, you guys were there with answers. That's that's pretty heavy duty. Wow. Now it's four years later, and I'm still listening. That's a miracle. Wow, four years later. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one out there needing answers. Very soon, many people in this world will be forced to reshape their worldview, and God's truth needs to be out there to meet them, to give them hope, to give them peace. I'm sorry this dragged on for so long, but I guess what I'm attempting to say is, thanks for being a guiding light for Christ when I've needed it. You're doing a great service, and I'm sure many others could echo my appreciation. God bless, Tim. Killer. Tim, bro, that was a great piece there. You Thanks, were That was really encouraging, and hopefully encouraging to our Futurians. And I think you just said it really, really eloquently. And uh, if you have some subject matter that, that you want us to cover on the show, please let us know. Research it. Drop us an email. Bring it down into like a 90-minute yeah. thing, and we'll just sort of read it verbatim. Well, there you go. <laughs> you know, I, I think he's referring to the fact that um, I spend many, many more hours in email than I probably should with doing because I, I, I love everybody there. Mm-hmm. But I should be doing some other research and some writing and stuff that I feel called to do. But you know, when our listeners sit, say something and they'll just put a link to like a video and says, "Watch this," um, yeah, it would be that. very, it'd be very, very helpful if you all could sort of do me a favor and can condense down what you learned from something. Tell me what it was you learned that's key to us. Give me a just, paragraph. Just a paragraph. Yeah. And then put the link after that where if I need to follow up more, I can do. And you'd be doing a big favor for me, folks. I appreciate everybody sending us leads, and please keep doing it. But that would be just a way for to help me. Uh, this is Dave. Um, some of these are real brief. Uh, this this is Dave. He says, hailing from central North Dakota. I very much enjoy Future Quake. Thank you for all your efforts and service. Thanks, Dave. There you go. And he sent some pictures of his gardens to show it's possible to have greenery this far north. That's Sweet. what you'd appreciate. Yeah. You know, it's uh, interesting. I got really into, um, uh, I got really into like, like cold winter gardening. Yeah. My cold, my winter garden is beautiful. My summer huh. garden is horrible. Huh. I gotta, I gotta go read some traditional gardening books. Okay. Maybe talk to Dave. Yeah. Dave, stay dry up there, okay? I know y'all are taking a tough ride. I'm probably not the whole state, probably more just by the river there, but anyway. Hang in there, brother. Uh, this is from Norm, okay? One we've heard to occasionally. Mm-hmm. Norm says, uh, last night I listened to your interview with Judd Burton about his book, Interview with the Giant. You know, this is people going back and listening to stuff through our archives, which is great. He says, I was especially interested in your remark about Elvis being part of the line of these people. 
I'm not a down-in-the-wool Elvis fan, so you wouldn't be insulting me. I just want more details. I'm 63, and I've been listening to the Revelations Radio Network for only two years now. I'm 63-year-old. That's awesome. Yeah. Beginning with Frank Lordy and have since branched out to most other shows listed on uh, Revelation Radio Network's website. Probably even that FBI informer, yeah, Tim, you know, yeah. the Tim and Mike show. Without intention or malice on your part, it's obvious that Future Quake has tried to warn other brothers and sisters in the Lord about just how spiritually flabby and unprepared the American contingent of the church really is. Thank you and keep going. Oh, tell Merv too, which we will. We'll tell Merv. And uh, I explained to Norm that uh, uh, all I knew about Elvis was that he was a Melungeon. Uh, I remember you saying that. And they tend to have like six fingers. Six fingers, yep. Which is what the Nephilim had. Mm -hmm. Plus they're from the area where the Nephilim came from, in that Lebanese, Turkey area of the... Of Mediterranean, and they tend to have shovel teeth and like these little pointy ribs through their hairline, and they're from this general area, mm -hmm. over eastern Tennessee and eastern Kentucky. Hmm. Okay, uh, this is from Brother Kyle. Brother Kyle has this to say. Um, I'll keep this brief. I've got a longer email I'm going to be sending you, but I want to keep this one separate. I was catching up on future Quake episodes last night. Oh, let me let me scoot this down here. Um, I, anyway, that was clearly a hard, exhausting episode for you and uh, Tom, as it was to listen to. I think uh, we were all disheartened to a degree. Good. I'm glad I was a downer for everybody. We're here may, for you. May be true. To bring you down. Yeah, may be true. Yeah, I must say, I was moved to good tears when when Mike T uh, started to quote the Beatitudes while you were going through my email. Mm -hmm. I was completely surprised by that, and I was much appreciated. For me, the Beatitudes have special resonance. You remember when you did that? Now you have something new. Instead of reading scripture, you just hit the triangle. Um, it's like having Harpo marks in here. You know, and just honk a horn. Uh, it says, for me, the Beatitudes have special resonance. Because nearly 20 years ago, in July 91... I was sitting in my parents' basement struggling with the scripture, and on reaching the Beatitudes, I broke down and begged Jesus to be my Lord and Redeemer. Uh, Mike's quoting of them at that time was like a gentle reminder that the actions we take in faith aren't in vain. Isn't that funny? How I was reading his email, and you quoted the Beatitudes, and that was what led him to the Lord? Was the Beatitudes? It's far out, man. It's pretty far out. Amazing coincidences. Yeah, uh-huh. However, it's that's, that's sarcasm, by the way, I know, for everybody. I know. But far out is a biblical term. Uh, however, it's vital to know what God's will for the world actually is to be able to take a good and proper leap of faith. Hmm. The dominionists in that area are so sorely deluded at best, but I'll deal with that in my next email. Keep fighting the good fight, Dr. Future. As far as I can tell, you're not working for Luciferian ends. That counts for something, right? Maybe. And I think he was referring to the fact that an emailer one time wondered if I really was Luciferian or not. So at least Kyle is I'm just, still the jury's still out with me, but I'm here to I'm here to You, you know. know, concerning me or concerning you? You. Okay. I'm pretty sure yeah. I'm not a Luciferian. I got I got Kyle on my side. I'm in a non Luciferian camp. Okay. At least in his in his mind. In his mind, Kyle and I'll hang together. Okay. This is from Cousin Vinny from Dallas. Okay. Hey. Forget about it. Then he says... I guess he wouldn't talk like that from Dallas. Yeah. Uh, he 
says, Vinny said, I just want to let you know that I listen to your podcast all day long while I'm at work to keep up on world events and the like. I listen to your show, PID Radio, Hell Lindsay Report, CBN News, and various preachers. The other day I was listening to CBN News when one of their overplayed commercials came on. I was halfway paying attention because I was busy at the time when I had to stop what I was doing and backtrack the podcast. Pat and his son began to talk about how to overcome the mountain of finance and how Jesus wants you to be blessed. I've noticed on your show that you never mention Pat, which actually we do. We've talked about him like being involved in a big gold mine and a bunch yeah, of other Yeah, diamond stuff. mine, blood mine. He was also involved in the Iran-Contra affair. Yeah. Uh, um, tangentially, anyway. Well, he says, sorry, I'm brain dead at the moment, which, you know, listen to future quake, yeah. you can't help it that happen. Welcome to my world. And he says, uh, when you talk about the guy with the whole seven or five mountains thing, keep up the great work, gentlemen, and may Jesus in all of his glory keep blessing your ministry, your families, and yourselves. Now, what Vinny was doing there is what we hope for all Futurians. He takes this information, files it away, and then when he hears something, it flags in his mind. And that word mountains, he knows what that means. He knows the code word. Mm-hmm. And that's what we hope to educate each other on is to be on the lookout for this stuff. And uh, when I asked him if I could read his email on here, he says, oh, any time, man. He says, you had me. Yes, I'm from Texas. Cracking up a few podcasts ago when Tom was going on about his research and you were just trying to keep the show going. Keep it up, gentlemen. That's what I was referring to. Yeah. They like our struggle. I will see how many pro-triangle comments we get. Uh-oh. Uh, after this, the Triangle Posse. Okay. This is from Luke. Okay. And uh, uh, <clears throat> Luke says... Now, Luke, um, I don't mean to toot his horn because I want him to get treasures in heaven, but he, he was one who made a contribution you know, to oh, our sweet. ministry. Okay. And I had sent him a thank you for mm-hmm. it. And Doc, he says, Doc, I consider it a blessing to be able to give to your ministry. I'm thankful for the many hours of research and hard work that goes into the show. And the least I could do is give a portion of what the Lord has blessed our family with in this season of life. I often think of 2 Corinthians 8.14 and am reminded that it's good to be generous. We have plenty, as we never know when our circumstances will change and we will be dependent on the generosity of others. Yeah, when you're down just to your last triangle. Uh, may we all be increasing better better stewards of the gifts God has put us in charge of. My wife and I are having our first baby next month, so you could keep us in your prayers about our transition into parenthood and raising uh, our child to know the ways of the Lord. We like to joke with each other that we have a future Futurian on the way. Yeah, that's worth a, a gong. Triangle right? shot, yeah. We, you got to bring in like a big samurai gong next. It's so loud, it would it would overload <laughs> the mic. I, I, I have one somewhere, I think. That would be pretty awesome in here. Um, you know, we all want to play I'm Happy. You know, I was talking about being bummed yeah, and everything. That's the man who says I'm not. Yeah, because it, it has a little ding like that at the end. Yeah. Um, anyway, he says, uh, so he's raising a Futurian there. He says, we're also leading up a new singles ministry at our local church. You could pray that God would be using it to transform lives and train them up to be mature disciples of Jesus. Sweet. You know, if you don't think it'll corrupt them too much, Brother Luke, have them listen to some future quake stuff. There you go. Discuss it. Maybe I'll go come and attend the single. I don't know if you get thrown out. Really mess it up. Yeah, there you go. Whoa, this dude's nuts. (laughs) I found the recent interview with Christopher Knowles very interesting and really like when you investigate the groups that are influential with the religious right and the political powers that be. 
It's great that you trace back their leader's connection and reveal their true motives. Thanks again for all you and Tom do. You know, we've had so many stories. i got to get back to that lead. i got to get back and talk about some more stuff I found mm-hmm. because people seem to like it, and I need to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll click off a couple more of these, and we'll call it a day here. These are these are quicker. This is Brother Joshua. Okay. Brother Joshua uh, attached an email to me that he sent to Brandon House mm-hmm. after our show. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's, Joshua says, Mr. House... I listened to you on Future Quake and was so excited to hear you. I used to listen to you and supported and attended your Worldview Weekend events. You won't remember me, but we've met in person in Little Rock, Arkansas. I had quite uh, listening and supporting. Hey, quit listening and supporting until now because of the worldview portrayed by David Barton through your programs. I must confess, I began to think you were falling prey to dominionist theology, even though I didn't know that term yet. Shortly after I left you, I found Future Quake through Chris Wright and Frank Lordy in the Revelations Radio Network. I was so excited to hear your reform on this topic of American history and our founding fathers and dominionism as you explained on Future Quake. I'm excited to support you in the future. I am seriously overwhelmed with excitement to see that you are a humble man seeking truth in this area. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll pause the email there for a second and say, you know what the coolest thing about that is, is the fact that Brandon... You know, he realized that he was in error, and he came right out and said, yeah. I was in error, and so I need to do something about it. And he was totally, totally, like, wanted to try and do the right thing, it sounded like, between his buddy Dave Barton there. And mm-hmm. it's like, look, I, you know, I have some real concerns, and this yeah. is serious, you know. And yeah, he, and he rebuffed it, but at least he tried. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. wasn't like, well, I turned the tables over right, on this stuff. Right, Yeah, I didn't get all self-righteous. Yeah, and whole, yeah mm-hmm. right. You know, that attitude is actually even more essential than the ability to be so discerning to be right the first time. Uh boy. But you know what I mean? I do. You know, I totally do. it'd be nice to be able to be right all the first time and be that sharp. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you with me, that certainly usually yeah, never happens. Yeah, I'm about as sharp as a bowling ball. Well, particularly on Future Quake. You yeah. know, i got to eat my words all the yeah. time. But But if you can have a humble attitude that says, oh, this was another one I was wrong about. You know, because it's hard when you're a leader with a major ministry, and that's how the Lord blesses us by keeping us obscure, mm-hmm. you know, and small. Mm-hmm. Because when you get to be a major ministry, that's really hard to eat humble pie when you got all these people following. Because, well, you know, those people might just think you you, you don't have that discernment. You're a fraud. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have it. We're going to drop you. And it takes a real man of God to be able to say. This was the wrong direction. I'm going another. Yeah. You know, one of the interestingly similar sentiment that really, really sort of turned me on as a young Christian about um, not, you know, being sure I was on the right track of not swallowing everything people told me was Chuck Missler was listening to a Bible study in Chuck Missler very early on. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, you know what, folks, quite frankly, it takes it takes a really committed person, a real true disciple of Jesus, to look at something in the Bible and say, I don't know what that means. Yeah. And I yeah. thought, wow, you know what? He's totally right. Yeah. You know? And, you know, everyone thinks that they're going to lose people's respect when they say that, but my observation is it almost always gains people's respect. Mm-hmm. When you say, I don't know, it almost shows like a real security on your behalf. And whatever the field is, theology, whatever else, you know, we all have this feeling like, oh, that's a weakness. But in real application, it's like that commercial with Mikey and Life Serial. Everybody thinks the commercial says, 
you know, give it to Mikey, he'll eat anything. When the real commercial says, give it to Mikey, he won't eat anything. But he really eats like cereal. So everybody has a common shared societal misunderstanding. And this is another one. Hmm. So older farts out there like me will understand that reference. Mm-hmm. Okay, he says, uh, to Dr. Future and Tom Bionic, I too am somebody who went through the whole archive after listening to just a few Sweet. of your programs. Man, it well to have some kind of medal or something we can send for all archive yeah. people. Wouldn't that be a be neat cool. thing to, to Well, maybe do? we could have dinner with them at Branson. If they're there at Branson. Yeah. There might be thousands and thousands of people that want to have lunch with us or dinner. Yeah. But well, it'll be like informal. We'll be like, we're going over here to Shoney's at 7. Yeah. And you guys can show up or not. We may have to, like, cater for 10,000, though. But anyway, let me finish what he says here. Mm -hmm. He says, uh, and was just as excited to have discovered you. There is a certain feeling of justification in other people like you guys and Chris White and Derek and Sharon Gilbert that have a worldview that supports my convictions. I thought I was alone and being called crazy for holding this worldview. Well, we still are regularly, you know. You are all a group of broadcasters that need more public attention. To all of you, please continue to do your work. It's a tremendous blessing. You are a watchman preparing more people than you will probably realize. And this comes from Josh in Arkansas. He says, uh, this is something a little aside that's sort of interesting, P.S. He says, another interesting topic on Mormonism. I'm a street evangelist. He says, I, I preach law to the proud, grace to the humble, repentance and faith. And I had my worldview rocked in my ministry to the Mormons. So this is this is when I came uh, to truly realize we wrestle not against flesh and blood, and and the beginning of the opening of my eyes to this world. Uh, and he says he can give some personal testimonies of Mormons I have that really should be known to others. I've had elders manifest demonically in front of me. I've had them promise me kingdoms as a new Paul for the Mormon Church. I've had experienced their burning in the bosom that crippled me for days. Have seen some of their exclusive testimony meetings, met with leaders that cover our region, including yours, and seen many other things I'd love to share with you if you're interested in knowing. Mm-hmm. I have a great desire to see people become aware of this deception that they preach. I believe I have it. a great passion for these people, and I'm heartbroken over the deception they're shared in. You see, he has the idea that we need to have over Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, Muslims, mm-hmm. and all the above, Jews, mm-hmm. is that... He, he he mentioned a bunch of ev- evil stuff going on in there, mm-hmm. but did he say, I hate them because of that, and just run away from them and never make contact? He, the effect he had from it was, he says, I have a great desire to see them become aware of this deception. He says, I have a great passion for these people, and I'm heartbroken over the deception. God bless you, Brother Josh, yeah, and man. I pray every one of our Futurians, when they sense evil like that, when it's particularly evil of a spiritual nature and teaching... Let that be your response, what Brother Josh does, not what other people do. Don't demonize. Don't yeah. pray. Don't be feared. Don't hate. Do not harden your hearts. Be motivated rebellion. to passion, to, to deliver people from this stuff. Okay, I've just got a couple quick ones here. I'm going I'm to leave one on the table, and I'm going to do these two quick ones, and we're going to call it a day. This is, this is Clifford and Kate, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, Clifford and Kate uh, re- regarding Brandon House. She says, wow, Friday happens to be a super day for excitement for me here in Kansas because every Friday your new podcast pops up to my download in iTunes. And just when I thought I couldn't get any more exciting, I saw that you had Brandon House on the show. I used to listen to Brandon House on VCY America and used to sit and wish that somehow you guys would get together. 
It seemed like Brandon knew so much of what was happening, so I felt a little bewildered why he didn't seem to see what was going on with the patriotism America worship thing. I knew that you both were in Tennessee and hoped somehow there would be a meeting, and there was. Thank Jesus. This was one of the best shows ever. Due to the fact that almost all of the major Christian players out there are a little disingenuous, I almost had no hope of a major Christian host, Brandon, waking up to the truth. I was getting so sick of the same old Islam evil, American exceptionalism, etc., etc. Can't believe somebody else said that other than us. Stuff that I pretty much stopped listening to anyone except Future Quake. You know, that runs different from a lot of our critic emails. I was going to say, yeah, you may be in the minority uh, on that, but thank you. I hope not, of our listeners. I hope that the critics are in the minority. I am so pleased I can listen to Brandon House again. This broadcast, you know, these people have stopped listening to Brandon because of this until our show. And I think that's a collateral cool benefit of, mm-hmm. of the event. Yeah. He says, or she says, um, this broadcast tied it all together for me and helped me to realize that the American Christian community is in real trouble. When I first heard Chris Pinto speak of Founding Fathers, I was blown away. New brain cells were being born. Old ones were dusting themselves off. But I wondered about David Barton. He was supposed to be the authority on the Founding Fathers and Christianity. He was supposed to be the one who had done all the research and had all the hard facts. I had previously attended a Worldview Weekend conference in 2006 and had purchased two of David Barton's books. I never tried to read them until right before your broadcast with Pinto and felt they were not genuine. In Barton's Lives of the Signers, which is a highly touted book, descriptions of the signers are very vague. I couldn't find out much to be excited about. Many of them weren't even Christians at all. Lots of hype. So I guess I'm saying thank you for putting all the sides together. Like many shows, would not have dealt with David Barton or named names the way you two did. And doing this is super important. Thousands of Christians everywhere have been or are being deceived by Barton, and nothing short of an outright explanation and exposure will be able to help us see what's really happening. I keep thinking of the scripture about wolves and sheep's clothing, and it's coming alive in my mind more than more. I can't thank you and Tom and your guest enough and, and my husband for totally unraveling my thinking on Christianese. As divisive as it can be, I urge everyone out there to name names and to totally expose the unfruitful works of darkness. Some of us aren't as good at connecting all the dots as others are, and we need it simple. We're all coming off a lifetime of brainwashing. Isn't that true for all mm-hmm. of us? I guess it makes sense. <laughs> John talks about how when we are in the light, it exposes our deeds, and of course the light is no tidy flashlight. It is a giant, bright, and beautiful spotlight. It helps us to be more like Christ. Oh, thank God. As dramatic as it sounds, I believe that what happened with Brandon House and Future Quake, Pinto and others is nothing short of miraculous. I can't wait to see what Jesus Christ will do next. Lastly, I want to say thanks for all your encouragement to Brandon. I feel that when you encourage your guests, you are not just lifting them up, but you are lifting up all your Futurians up in the Lord as well. As you know, we are all unpopular with those around us. Amen to that, sister. Mm -hmm. And the battle is hard sometimes. So thanks again for the encouragement. Like another Futurian, I do feel it's like sitting up and drinking a cup of coffee, if you like coffee. Sincere appreciation and prayerful thanks. And that's from Clifford and Kate. I know that was a long, but man, these are awesome. They they say so much better things to say than what we have to say. Yeah, very eloquent. They should be future. They should be Futurian Quake is what it what it should be. Okay, here's Tony, and this is going to be our last one uh, for this week. Tony says, "Dear Doctor Future, Tom Bionic, Robert Hyde, C.J. and all." Okay, this is about the Politics of Religion conference. 
Thanks for putting together a tremendous conference on the politics of religion in Fort Wayne. I've known about your show for about three years now and I've listened to many interviews. This is the first time I had a chance to see you in person. When I spoke with you and said that your show was instrumental in expanding my worldview and opening my eyes to what is really going on in the world, your first question to me was, did it bring you closer to Jesus? Your singular focus on Christ and your humble spirit are what compelled me to take a serious look at some of the the out-of-the-mainstream topics which you cover. I have come to believe that these topics are a very serious challenge to the Christian faith, and you helped me wake up to this reality. I am convinced that God gave us all the answers we need if we're willing to do a little digging. Although my wife was skeptical and concerned about what I was coming to believe, after she listened to a few of your shows, she also started to get it. Now I wanted to wait for that one. She was at the conference with me, and this is a huge step from where she was just after one year ago. I thank the staff of Future Quake. Your faithfulness will be greatly rewarded. And I say God bless you, Tony, and also to Mrs. Tony. Uh, and we hope you're listening right now. And yeah. It's a pleasure to have you with us. And obviously Tony loves you, and you su- support him, and you all support each other. Cool. And you're blessed to have, uh, if you all are listening together, to have uh, two spouses, because we all need whoever we can to lean on. Yep. And uh, that's it. I'm going to call it a day. I know we went a little late here. But I'm trying to catch up on those old emails. These are long past, so... You recent emailers, we'll get to you eventually if the Lord doesn't return. Harold Camping may bring this to an yeah. end, but any closing words? No, non-auditory, non-musical uh, comments for our you know, listeners? You know, old Harold Camping, you know, when it turned out to be wrong. You yeah. know, he had a really tough weekend. His friends came by and were consoling him, uh-huh. and they said, Harold, man, it's okay. It's not like it's the end of the world. <laughs> okay, well... I tell you, with that, I'm going to give our listeners a relief and bring in Merv, who can tell them how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. Uh, we got to say goodbye. Any last words? No, nope, done. Okay. Uh, hope to catch you at the uh, future Congress conference. If not, keep hanging here every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always going to be changes here. Uh, lots of stuff going on. A, a very, very interesting interview next week. I think you'll really enjoy. Mm-hmm. But until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake.